Are you out of your mind? Here's the debate. You're upset. They're saying we believe you. This is it? I thought, Okay, sounds good. Well, I think we are live. Yes, no, maybe we're live. Yes, sir, Episode sir. number one, uh, fifty-eight. We haven't uh, done a podcast for a minute. We were in Las Vegas and LA the last mm-hmm. couple of days. We had a chance to see the gas prices in LA. Uh, yeah, I posted a lot of, about that today. Uh, uh, it seems like a lot of stuff has happened that uh, we want to talk about. Specifically, the shooting, the tragic event that took place in. Uvalde, San Antonio, which I've been to. I went to an event over there, Drive Tanks. There's a, a very uh, 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 interesting place. We'll talk about that. Of course. Um, and then Hillary Clinton, you know, some comments by uh, Ray Dalio about the markets, business, um, guns, uh, gun law. Obviously, uh, a lot of people are chiming in on what's going on with the uh, issue. That seems to be the topic of discussion. We got a couple things that I saw with Henry uh, Kissinger in regards to Ukraine and Russia that kind of threw some people off. And then we have uh, uh, the lovely Catalina Lauf here with us, the former advisor at the U.S. Department of Commerce. She's known as anti-AOC. She ran uh, in 11th Congressional District in Illinois. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And your shirt, if you can tell everybody. Yes, Freedom Over Fear. That's our campaign slogan. I love it. Freedom Over Fear. And then we have our Tom Ellsworth here. Tom does not have a fancy shirt. (laughs) He's just wearing his uh, regular, is that a Brooks shirt or what kind of, whatever kind of a shirt it is? Of course. It's a dad shirt. It's great. It's awesome. We'll take it. We'll take it. Okay. So (laughs) that was uh, a compliment, I assume. A dad shirt. For Tom? Yeah. Absolutely it is. He's got a dad shirt. He's got dad jokes. He's clearly got a dad bod. He's got a dad haircut. He's doing his thing. You crossed the line right there. You crossed the line right there. He's a high-end dad. He's a high-end dad. You just offended a few people, by the way, by saying that. Kim is probably going to send a message to you, and you're going to get blocked on Instagram again. Kim's great. All right. So, uh, folks, before we get into it, I want to go straight into topics. But before we get straight into topics... Uh, I, I do want to have, Catalina, if you don't mind, take a quick moment and share with the audience your background, yeah. how you got this reputation, this name of anti-AOC. You're running because you're young, you're coming up, you're vocal, mm-hmm. you're smart, you have strong opinions. Thank you. Tell the audience about your background. Yeah, so running in Illinois, 11th District. It is in the northern Illinois suburbs. It's a very, I grew up in a small town. And what we Illinoisans get so frustrated with is that we get drowned out by Cook County and the Chicago Democrats, where in reality, a lot of Illinois is actually pretty Republican. And so I'm running for Congress. Look, I've seen over the years that our districts are being flipped every single cycle and they're recruiting the the left is recruiting these far left young female voices like AOC and the squad. They're being heavily funded. A lot of them are just puppets and they're flipping hard Republican seats. And that's what happened in in my home district a few years ago. Uh, my mom came here legally from Guatemala, Central America. She grew up in poverty. My grandmother picked coffee beans. My dad's a small business owner. And, you know, I, I was born and raised with this unapologetic love for the country to support small business, to, you know, support our flag, support our military, back the blue, these very American principles, free market economics that I now see completely under attack. The American dream that made my life possible, that made my family's life possible when they came here 
is under attack and we need strong voices. We need fighters. We need everyday Americans, everyday people to step up now and push back the far left because they're winning the war right now, both culturally and economically. But by the way, were you always did you always have these beliefs or did you ever uh, 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 question them and you say, well, I don't know. You know, these guys, all they care about is money. These guys, you know, they're too much about this. They're too much about that. Or was it always a thing? Were you always a conservative? I was always a okay. conservative. And is that because mom, dad, the upbringing or... Both. You know, I think part of it is the upbringing, working in the small business. My dad taught me uh, business at a, at a young age, but also I was able to go to these countries, I was able to go to Central America and see what oppression and poverty looks like and what happens when there aren't economic opportunities. That was drilled into my head from a young age. And to look at a country where we have all the possibilities, endless possibilities here in America and, and to preserve that is so important. I also grew up with stories of World War II veterans and uh, you know people who, who, there's a real cost of freedom and history that our country stands for that is being lost in this generation. And so that upbringing, uh, also just seeing what things have been changing over from a cultural perspective, have actually made me more conservative and more strong in my values and my ideology. So your parents both are conservative? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And in, who were you in high school? If we were in high school to get a 10th grade, 11th grade, who were you? Oh, my God. Uh, were you the athlete? Were you the no, grades? Were no. you the 4.5 GPA? Were you oh, my the- God, no. I basically got kicked out of school. I was the, the, the rebel. Yeah. Really? In yeah. high school? Yes. I was homeschooled, actually, because I was just so sick of edu- the education system. And I was self-taught and went to college at 15. <laughs> and what, was it Miami? You went to Miami International, Ohio or something like yes. Miami? So I graduated yeah. uh, high school. I did a, a dual start program where I was able to test into the co- to the community college, did my first two year gen eds there, and then was able to transfer at a really young age to Miami of Ohio, and then was able to only do two and a half years there, got my degree right away, and then left. Got it. Okay, cool. And then uh, 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 last but not least, so AOC, you know, she... You know, whatever we say about AOC politically, which, you know, we may or may not agree with socialism, you know, how she capitalizes of all the opportunities. She's been able to get her message out there to hundreds of millions of people at this point. The entire country knows who she is. She's got God knows how many followers on Twitter, 10, 15 million followers on Twitter. What do you think she's doing that's resonating? Because May 11th, you just had a birthday. Happy birthday to you. Two Thank weeks you. ago, you had a birthday. May 5th, but yeah, Cinco de Mayo. Okay, so May, you put May 11th here, so it says May 5th. So May, <laughs> She's a Cinco de Mayo, Mayo yes. birthday. Happy yeah. birthday to you. Her, bro, so, so Fireworks, baby. 29 years old, you, your age starts with the number two. Uh, we, we skip here. Tyler, you're how old? Just so we know. <laughs> 34. 27. No. 27 years old. Yeah. Okay, and then 34. from there, there's there's a spike. There's no three here. Then it's four and five in the room. So for the twenty year olds, yourself, what what makes you think an AOC uh, is getting the kind of connection with the younger audience where they're saying she makes a lot of sense? Why is she having so much momentum? That's a great question. Number one, she's being helped out by these social media companies. I would love to see how act, how many of her actual followers are real. Let's just put that out there because they are being heavily promoted more than conservative voices, which is why we need counter voices to them. But I think, look, she was, she's 
relatable. She does these, you know, little videos. She was one of the first millennials that had a strong voice in Congress. Everybody knew about her. She was put on this pedestal and she was heavily marketed by the powers that be in her party. People believed in her. And even if she disrupted her establishment candidate, she was still heavily backed and funded by people who propped her up. And so she's able to penetrate in all these different areas, whether it's Twitch or social media and and all of that, to try to be relatable. Now, everything that she says, 90% of it does not make sense. But we live, especially millennials, live in this kind of soundbite culture where they take this emotion-based little 15-second things that she says, and then they go and run with it as we see with these culture wars. And then that's why she's so effective. But she's actually destroying her party at the the advantage to conservatives because people are now coming more on our side because she's controlling the Democrats today. She controls the narrative because she's able to raise money on her own Mm -hmm. because of her big platform and she has the voice to do it. Do you think she's dumb? Yes. You think she's dumb? I do. Really? I I think she's dumb. Um, No, okay, I'll say this. She's smart because she's smart at manipulating. I think anybody like that is deceptive. Okay. In terms of raw intelligence, um, I would say some of her things that she says about the economy and things just don't make sense. So from that perspective, no. So economically, and her degree is in what? Isn't her degree in... <laughs> economics. Yeah, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it in economics? So yeah, some of the stuff she talks about, it, it just makes you wonder like who... Who the teachers are today? I'd love to go to college. I'd love to go to one of these UC Berkeley economic classes just to sit there as a student. Just to sit there and be like, go a semester through it, like a project. You know what I'm saying? Like you recorded. And you wonder what these professors are telling these kids that are going to college about economy. What are they saying about the rich man, about the capitalist, about the mm-hmm. business owner? Uh, what kind of commentary? Because they're shaping the mindset of these kids. Mm-hmm. Did you did you watch Bill Maher's uh, uh message he gave i think you sent it did you send it to me yes sir you sent it to me and the premise behind it was what he was asking he said he said you know we're looking at statistics about the lgbtq community mm-hmm. tom have you seen this or no have, Bill, have, recently no have you have you seen that Catalina? Oh, no. essentially okay, first the premise everybody's got to watch it go yeah. ahead no essentially the premise is america's getting gayer and gayer so he shows statistic about about seven months ago we had gat sod on right Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who I think he's coming back on the he's podcast. Back, yeah. yeah. So we had him on, and in the middle of the podcast, I asked him a question. I said, do you think the media is increasing, the media and TV shows, do they have any influence over increasing uh, the LGBTQ community in America? He says, I don't think it has any influence. So while we're talking, I'm Googling to see the increase in population of you know, gays and lesbians. And you see how 30 years ago it's 1% and it's increased to 5%. But then Bill Maher went full-blown on this video. I, I wish we could play it where he says it started off with this many percent, then it went to 5%, then it went to this. And then he says Gen Z, uh, uh, 50% of Gen Z or some big number, right? 20%. Right? 20% so of Gen Z yeah. sees themselves as part of the LGBTQ community. And then he says, at this pace, folks, in the next 10, 20 years, we're all going to be gay, right? All That's pretty it. much what Bill Maher was talking about. But here's the point. Here's the point. That right there, the statistic with what Bill Maher talked about gets me to think about something. I was in the military. We had people who were gays and lesbians in the military, okay? In high school, you know, we had folks who were part of a LGBT, you know, LG community, and we had some guys, you know, that guy's probably, you know, you kind of knew about it, right? But for it to increase the way it is, 
that doesn't mean a lot of these people that are becoming lesbians and gays were born lesbian and gay. I wonder how much of it is grooming. I wonder how much of it is recruiting. I wonder how much of it is converting. I wonder how much of it is I don't have a dad in my picture. I don't have a strong father figure. I don't have a strong leader in my house. You know, maybe, you know, like the famous question, which is what? How do you know you're not gay? You're not going to know unless if you kiss somebody. How do you know you're not lesbian? You're not going to know something. It's like, maybe I am. Maybe I don't. Oh, my God. I'm not getting more attention than ever. Girls are not interested in me or guys are not interested in me, but she's interested in me. And this is kind of cool. So the reason why I brought this up right off the bat is to say you don't see statistics showing the increased percentage of men has increased, you know, by 40 percent in the last 20 years. We don't see stats like that. You don't see the increase in women has increased the last 20, 30, 40 years. Why? Because it's naturally, we don't think about that. Then how, if it's scientific, how is the LGBTQ community keep increasing and we're trusting kids to go to public schools to be indoctrinated in this mindset and then you're having people like AOC whose concept is being bought by students because maybe teachers are grooming and shaping their mindset. This, this is this is a little bit of recruitment going on. What, what yeah. do you think about this? No, You're the one I'm that's closer to it. So happy that you brought this up because this has been coming up a lot on the campaign trail. Two points here. I think number one, when you talk about teachers, a long time ago, my mom was a teacher for thirty years. Right? Those teachers, even if they were liberal, they didn't push their ideologies to their kids. Maybe from an economic, you know, bad man, rich things like that in, in the college ages, but particularly for the younger generations, they still wanted the Star Spangled Banner. A lot of their dads had fought in World War II. They were still Americans. Somebody figured out along the way that the culture war instead of economics, is the culture war is the way to change the hearts and minds and to make kids liberal. I talk to parents every single day on the campaign trail. I talk to kids every day on the campaign trail. I just spoke with a 13-year-old last week who said that she was confused for an entire year of what her gender was because in school her teachers, the millennials that were uh, the, these useful idiots, I'll call them, that that don't even understand what they're talking about half the time to the kids, these millennial teachers are pushing the the pride flags in schools. They have groups that you're allowed to join these LGBTQ whatever groups and and you're not allowed to join any other groups. You should pro- they encourage people to join these groups that and then it's just so it's surrounded. It's they're constantly surrounded by it and then they get confused and then it's a cool thing for their friends to do and it becomes a fad. She was confused for a year because it was in her environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, so is there straight groups? Is there straight no. groups that you join? Like, can I go join a straight group? No, that's so, considered so, hateful nowadays. So, 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 you know, like, you know how, because what I see is, here's what I, here's what I, if you're gay, great, fine, no problem. We right. totally have no issues with that at all. If you follow the podcast, you know my history, what I, you know, I, so I'm very comfortable with that. But I don't see people on Twitter in their profile saying part of the straight community. You know, you don't see pro. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, well, you it's don't- like the reason that there's BET, right? Because black people needed a voice whenever that started in the 70s. Now, if you had WET, white entertainment television, now we get a problem. It's just, the and f- I agree with that. I don't think there should but, be a but, white uh, entertainment television because but, they dominated uh, media forever. But, but I think that is more part of the uh, division that's happening. 
that 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 feeds into it. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's there's I'm all about anybody that's very proud to be Mexican, proud to be Guatemalan, mm-hmm. proud like Ricky's Michoacan. I yeah. I'm, I love people that are proud of their heritage, proud to be you know Middle Eastern, Jewish, whatever you are. I have a lot of respect for that. I like I think heritage and traditions powerful. But from the standpoint of because I am this. I'm more important than you. I'm more. I need to be heard more than you. And you know, trying to convert the way it's being done today, I'm well, not with it. That that data itself concern, should concern every single parent in America. That data that Bill Maher showed. If you've not seen it, that data that Bill Maher showed. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's a parent ought to be concerned about that data today. Let, let me give you two quick points. Um, what happens is people who are marginalized. Let's what let's say it's the black community or the gay community or the Jewish community. They start off saying, hey, we need a voice. Like, we're getting drowned out here. We're being marginalized. We're being discriminated against. Like, my dad, who grew up in Detroit, would tell me when he grew up in Detroit, it used to say signs, no blacks, no Jews, no dogs. Okay. Straight up. That's what he grew up with in the 50s. All right. So you develop a voice. But then what happens is once your voice comes a little bit louder, let's say it's the LGBTQ community. Let's say it's the BET community. Now you become part of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And now the mainstream says, all right, well, I don't know. I'm not LGBT. What just happened here? Right. But because you start off as a small voice and you become part of the mainstream pop culture, now you're, you're in the ecosystem of pop culture. The, the second part, because there's someone's probably watching, it's like, what does Catalina and AOC and political divisions have to do with LGBT? And the common thread there is whether it's nature versus nurture and to the bill mars point is that what essentially is happening is now the debate is over this is no longer part of nature it's now being part of nurture Mm -hmm. whereas one percent of people baby boomers were gay and then two percent of or four percent of gen x um and then millennials now it's five percent gen z is now it's ten percent twenty percent it's like hold on Clearly, an indoctrination is is happening, and that's essentially the common thread there. My issue is that it's being pushed by these millennial young teachers at such a young age, and parents don't even have a voice sometimes. But also the fact that it's influencing legislation. If you have zero point zero one percent of the population, or the statistic on on transgenders, for example, and then now people are forced to have one bathroom or a transgender bathroom, it is influencing legislation on such a mass. Scale because it's being pushed by the far left so much that that does impact the rest of the country. Why are these small voices dominating policy? You can't even get policies passed for for uh, veteran health care that quickly, but you can get transgender bathrooms pushed on a federal level in some cases. That's ridiculous to me. So how do we solve it? So what's the solution? So if you're if you're saying what you're saying, what is the solution? Parents need to have a voice at the school level. They need to stop this at that level and say, teachers, your job is to teach my child math, social studies, gym, whatever, and to take your political culture war opinions out of the classroom. And then parents need to have need to educate their kids on what's going on in a thoughtful way so that they're not being it's part of the culture now. So, OK, so parents uh, run for school board, <laughs> run for school board. But OK. So say you do that. What else is the solution, though? Tom, What is there really? So I guess this is the question I'm trying to ask. Is there really a solution or is it in too deep? Have they already 
uh, uh, gotten so deep into universities and school systems that to be able to shift this is going to take a decade or two. And if you do, how do you do it? Well, this is exactly the problem. You know, you have um, the far left that is influencing the kids because they want to tell the kids what to think. They do not want the children to be guided culturally by the parents. They feel that they should guide the children culturally. And they feel that um, people call it grooming, people call it whatever you want. That's the issue, and she's right. But this is good. this is a decade-long fight because it took a while to get here. And people are waking up to it. What happens is, <clears throat> Mark Twain said, the fog comes in on little cat feet. You don't really hear it, but the fog comes in. And what has happened here over the last 20 years, there has been a steady march toward the schools bringing in content that is increasingly left culture at the public school level. That's where they're driving it. In Dallas, two of the biggest private schools that you would say they are probably a tick conservative. They're not religious schools. But both of them have what's called the safe room where you can go in and have a discussion about being gay, experimenting, uh, gender confusion, which they don't call it confusion, and they will not tell your parents, Mm. will not tell your parents. So your child, like this young woman, this 13-year-old you were talking about, Mm -hmm. confused for a year, could be sitting there constantly having these conversations in a safe room, and they don't tell the parents. But what's wrong with that, especially if you're in high school? Like, I, I, let me just make my point, and then I'm going to flip back to you. Kindergarten, elementary school, even middle school, stay the F away from the freaking kids. You're 16 years old. You're able to drive. You have a car. You have a driver's license. You're confused about what you got going on. You're already making out with guys, girls. You're already maybe even having sex. I got no problem in high school. No problem. That's oh, well, me. Totally Adam, different in a way. no children. Okay. Come on. You have, so no what is that? With, you have no problem with what in high school? With 16, 18-year-old kids having conversations with guidance counselors. I don't care. Go in your little safe room. Really? I don't care about that. <clears throat> really? if, you, if you think, what, how old are your, are your girls? 10 and 16. Okay, so let's move the 10-year-old aside to the category of don't F with her. But 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, if you think her and her friends aren't already having these discussions, you're naive. So th- I'm just letting you know in high school, that's what's already happening. What do you think about that, Tom? I have a fantastic relationship with my 16-year-old daughter, and we process things all the time. Because that's exactly what she wants, to talk to her dad about she actually. Hey, by the way, on this scenario, I will okay. tell you, in this case, it is true. I, I Believe me, it, I know BizDoc thought. I've seen this I, all I'm the, not even talking about BizDoc here. I'm well, talking your about point is 16 what? Your to 18-year-olds in general. These are conversations that they're already having. And Tom, you're with saying what? You're other, saying not to with the teacher. You're saying to not have the conversation for for teachers to not have the conversation with students? No. Absolutely not. I don't want a teacher bringing their views on my child. Mm-hmm. Period. Now, if they go in there and say, "Hey, I'm I'm really bothered about something. These kids are cheating. I don't want to be part of it." Um, I don't, they're in my friend group and I don't want to get pulled into that. Those conversations happen all the time at school, all the time. I don't want to get in the middle of this, but I don't want to be a rat. I don't want to be a snitch. Things like this happen all the time, but the deeper things, I mean, you know what happened? I told you and I sure, don't want to go into of course. details. No, no, I get it. <clears throat> Cause I don't want that girl to accidentally be exposed. Um, and Bailey came and talked to me about a really bad decision that a friend made. 
really bad decision. Her parents are very concerned about it. There's a lot of things that go along with it. But we processed it. Like, what was she thinking? Where was she at? Now, here's the thing, Tom. To be fair, you can afford to put your kids through a good private school. Go to public. Mm -hmm. Okay. Go to 95% of America, whatever the percentage is, that's got their kids in public school because of a zip code. They're only making 55000 a year median income. Say household is $100,000. Right. And they're facing, those parents are facing a war. That's what they're facing. Now, you, and that's what I'm talking about, by the way. If Tom, who's very well off, can send both of his kids to private And by the way, Tom's kids are fantastic. Shout out to Kim. However, that's not the representative of what's going on in America. I taught. I taught in school. I taught second grade. I taught eighth grade. In Miami. I know what 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, like they're already doing stuff. So if you want to live in a fantasy world that like, of course my young daughter is going to come and talk to me about and process issues, that's great in fantasy land in private school. That's not the reality for no, most of America. But I still think even in a public school, a guidance counselor, if you're under the age of 18 and you're having these serious conversations with somebody and opening up, the parents should be involved. And that is, I think, it what we're talking about here is that there's a fine line with what the role is of the teacher to an underaged person. If you want to make the decisions after you're 18, if to love whoever you want to love, that's fine. I don't think we're talking from my understanding, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the younger kids who are in school and this is being pushed on by the culture and by their teachers. Totally agreed. K through eight, don't even mess with the kids. But at a certain point, like, so, so Adam, talking about seniors you, you, in high school Are you here. saying if, if, a, if a sophomore uh, is confused and goes to the guidance counselor saying, hey, uh, Mrs. Johnson, I'm, I'm really wondering with all these pronouns, I'm really wondering what I am. I'm really struggling with that. What do you think I should? I'm having a hard time talking to my mom and dad about it because I know if I talk to my mom and dad about it, they're going to get really upset. What do you think is the right choice for me to make? Well, number one, I... Any question they have, whether if you could be a straight guy and just be like, look, man, like I'm I'm dealing with some bodily stuff that's happening right yeah. now. I don't feel comfortable talking to my mom about my boner. That's just kind of weird. And I'm going to go talk to my guidance counselor. I'm OK with that. Should talk to your guidance counselor about your boner. That's what I'm you just did. saying, like, this is the <laughs> reality. If we, right want, now if, if we want to just like sugarcoat everything and we like, learn a little too much about Adam up, today. I'm just saying this is what 16 year old hey, Mr. Deal Jones. With. Well, hey, I'd like to talk to you about my boner. But, but, but go to. But I'm actually. I'm I'm, just, I, yes. Go to I'm your okay. point. I'm okay. If the kid is saying. What should. I, uh, here's a question. Yeah. Let me I'm, be more specific. The, by the way, these aren't just teachers. This let isn't be, your civics teacher. Let me be more. This is hopefully a. A, a guidance counselor Let me who's be more trained specific. in this. Let yes, me be more specific. So if the 14-year-old Adam is concerned about not his boner. Not 14, not 14. High 16, school. high school, yes. Well, 14, I was in, I was in high school at 14. No, I'm ninth grade. High school, 14 I was is, a 14-year-old in high school. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I graduated 17 years old in okay. high school. Well, not anyway, because of grades, I'm by talking, the way. Well, you were also breastfed till you were 18. That's the <laughs> point. So, but go to 16 years old. Stay at 16 years yes, old. Yes, let's stay there. 16 years old, you're yeah. 11th grade. You're driving a car all I right. get you. You go to your guidance counselor and you yeah. say, listen, my name is Adam. I'm kind of confused right now. What do you I think? I was never confused. Clear but, the clear <laughs> But you go to yeah. your guidance counselor and you yeah. say you're confused. Hey, what I'm having problems with my girlfriend. What should? No, 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 no. This okay. is not problems with your girlfriend. This is the, the we're talking him and her and pronouns and things. LGBT we're stuff. specifically on this topic here. Okay. How should the guidance counselor handle that? I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of talking to my dad because he's going to lose it. He's a traditional Jewish man, or you know, he's mm -hmm. a traditional Hispanic, whatever you know. Yeah. So I come from a Christian family. How should what should the guidance counselor do in that I'm situation? I'm not going to pretend that I know the answer of what the guidance counselor not, should say or not, not say. Here's what I will say, yeah. though. I'm okay with them having a conversation. Like, the fact that they're conversing and talking and they're saying, I've got questions. Like, yeah. that's the guidance counselor's job. 
to have guidance. I don't disagree. I don't think I disagree. All I'm asking is what should the approach be from their end? Because that's the training that's got to come from the As top. a parent, do you want them to just go right back to the parent? Hey, by the way, little Timmy had questions about whether he's gay or not. Do you think he should do that? You aware. Would I'm, you want to know that as a parent or no? If I'm a parent, of course, I would want to know so that. You, but maybe you my want kid me to, doesn't want to share that. But though. I call you as a guidance counselor and I say, hey, Adam, I got a question for you. Can I share something with your son I think you need to know about? But he, it's very important for you and I to build a relationship together because if you go and automatically tell him what I told you, I think you're gonna lose I'm gonna lose trust and I'm not he's not gonna have a person to go to. Can I trust that we can build this relationship together, you and I? Yes. I think you ought to have a conversation with your son because he's struggling with that, that, that. Do you think that conversation should be at or do you think the secret should be between a guidance counselor and the kid? That's a very valid question. I mean it's like where where do you draw the line of what, what, what would you want me to do? Forget forget what the valid question is. You want to have kids one day. What, does what the would kid you want? No, 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 no. Hear me out. No, hear me out. Hear me out on the question. Hear me out on the question. Don't tell my parents. I don't care what the kid says. Okay. Say the kid says, don't tell my parents. I don't give a shit if the kid says, don't tell my parents. If the kid, your kid comes and Mm -hmm. tells me, the guidance counselor, don't tell my parents. Okay. How do you want me? Do you as a parent still want to know or you don't want to know? Obviously, if I'm a parent, I would like That's to know. That's the point. I would like to know. Okay, I agree with you. But if the you. kid specifically says, like, for instance, I had an issue with my father growing up, right? He was a very abusive guy. If I went to my guy, this is a totally separate topic, but... But this is actually a good point right, to bring in. But if I said, hey, look, I'm having a problem in my house. My father's very aggressive, very abusive. It's a thing that I'm dealing with. I'm coming to you to talk to you through these issues. As Tom says, to process these yeah. issues. Would you do me a favor not tell my dad that I came to you to tell you about this? If the guidance counselor picked up the phone and called my parents and said, by the way, Adam just came in and he's telling me about What's this. What's the right move for him for the guidance counselor to do in that but that's But like, this is what I'm saying. A 16-year-old is yeah. not a 10-year-old. Wait a minute. It's not a 4-year-old. You're they just ha- crossing they over have here. The, the ability to over from a child getting issues. abused, and we need, and the guidance counselor's purpose is to get CPS, Child Protective Services, involved so that we can protect the nation's youth when you do have a parent out of control. We're talking not about that. You move the argument. I don't think that's intellectually honest, Adam. But Tom, I said this was something I was dealing with. I I didn't move the I didn't move the goalpost. I said this was something that stick I to the him dealt and, with. Stick to the him and her. That's fine. Stick, stick to the him and her. If a kid goes to this teacher, sixteen mm-hmm. years old, guidance counselor, saying, "I'm wondering what I am sexually. I don't want to bring it up to my dad because I think he's going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Can you please help me out with this? Should that guidance counselor call the dad and the mom? No. No, really, not at sixteen. Got it. Really, no. What and um? What do you, so, so, what do you think? so the the is reaction your, is just is that your opinion? So then, why even have a guy? Yeah, the, of course, it's my opinion. I, just like it's your opinion. But, but, that's the whole point. Hang on. Everyone here has an opinion. So I'm, whatever I'm you coming, say is but, right but because I'm, you're a parent. But I actually, I actually want to do this. Let me do this, and then I'm going to come to you, and I'm I'm going to hear your thoughts as well. Okay, so explain to me why. Again, is it is it because you is, want I'm your talking, kid to have a place where they can talk that they're more comfortable than the parents is that why or is it, is it a place to release rather than hanging on to themselves okay Tell so me why. let's start with the reason that yeah. they're going to the guidance counselor it's because they probably don't feel comfortable bringing it up to their parents okay let's just start with that sure like okay i have an issue hmm i can talk to my friends about it but i don't want to be judged i could talk to my parents about it but i'm certainly going to get judged for whatever I'm going to have to say, it's not exactly the most comfortable conversation with your mom and dad about sex. 
Okay? I don't care how good you are at processing issues. I'm not trying to talk to my mom and dad about bodily sex stuff. Facts. So if this is a person who is a qualified yeah. professional yeah. and this is their freaking job, yeah, I'd feel okay closing the door and saying, hey, can I talk to you about such and such and such? If God forbid my kid, for example, if they, I don't have a kid, but in the future, if that led to a mental health problem down the line because they were struggling with this and they either wanted to take their life or had or struggling with something greater, that guidance counselor should be telling the parents because it can turn into a broader mental health conversation that doesn't that it's the parent's job to be involved with their child. Once you're 18, fine, whatever. But for that particular case, I also have a big issue. If these guidance counselors are looking at things objectively and they're actually being professionals and, and doing their training and, and talking to these kids, that's a different story. But if there are guidance counselors that are pushing this as well, that's a bigger issue. Is that's, it's all a, a cultural problem, I think. If the guy, I mean, look, as far let, let's not villainize teachers we're here. not we're okay. I'm not like, trying to teachers have the hardest jobs your wife's a teacher they bro. do my mother like, was a teacher okay for 30 years. i was a teacher my mom was a teacher but teachers have a very tough job they're they overworked do. and underpaid they are and let's not villainize teachers that they're all trying to like reverse lgbt all our kids i'm not sometimes they look, need to have crucial conversations if you look at the schools that yep. would tell you otherwise how so Go to a public school in a Democrat-leaning state, and what you see there is is pretty concerning. What the kids are being taught just when in they Democrat-leaning states, well, so Republicans I, are perfect. Well, Illinois, I Chicago. come from Illinois, yeah. so okay. I don't live. I don't go to schools here in Florida, but in Illinois, if you go to those schools and you talk to kids and what they say that their teachers are doing, is it very concerning? If if everybody the teacher, was the teacher. What the well, teachers are doing is very concerning. That's what she's saying. But continue. If guidance counselor, I, all I said was if the guidance counselor is able to look at these things objectively, that's a different story. If teachers are able to look at these problems objectively instead of pushing their own political ideologies, that is different. But what the the culture is showing us is that they are pushing their ideology and that is a problem. I love teachers. The teachers that want to teach are great and they should be uh, they should be elevated, but the others, particularly the millennials, are not mm -hmm. doing that half the time. That's Tom, the problem. Do you have any other angle from what we talked about here with Adam? You, you're you're the only one in the room here that's got a 16 year old daughter. Well, he just told me I had an opinion before he heard what I was going to say because it's back with facts. So it's not my opinion. I'm just going back on on facts. There's a simple simple fact. It is a fact. In these Democrat-leaning and hard blue districts, the guidance counselors and the teachers are actually denigrating the position of the parent. You should come talk to us. We see people like you every day. I see 50 students. Your parent sees one. You. We know what's going on. We know what's going on. You should come talk to us. So that's what's happening. It's not <clears throat> what you just said. Oh, I can't talk to my dad. My friends are a little confused. I'll go talk to my guidance counselor. There may be a threat of that, Adam, but they are being absolutely encouraged to come talk to the guidance counselors and the teachers that are presenting them this other viewpoint. And I'll tell you this, we need to go dig up, Tyler, go dig up the stats on teenage suicide. Mm -hmm. And it, and sexual orientation confusion, kids are writing these suicide notes out 
talking about confusion, talking about they don't know, talking about these things. And, and so you want the guidance counselor to talk to your kid, and then your kid commits suicide, and you never knew. And you never knew about well, the, the discussion. Fair, fair point. <clears throat> what, so way, there should until be until they're eighteen, Adam. You're responsible for them until they're eighteen. They break a window down the street. Technically, you got to pay for the window. You're responsible for them until they're eighteen. What a point! What did you hear? What a power! That was a very good point because anything they screw up with is on me. So I may as well know about what they're up to because if they do screw up, it's me being liable for it. That's a very good point. By the way, two people just gave super chats of uh, fifty dollars above. Fetsa Azul said, Adam, these thoughts increase risk of suicide significantly. While parents are responsible, we need to know, especially if there's another adult involved and potentially influencing. Then Tico uh, gave $199. Adam is clearly Adam is clearly wants those communities to grow even more. But if it if media movies and social media is killing next generation, making people stay in comfort zone, lazy and easily upset emotionally. But here, here's what I'll say. Zaul is right. Yeah, Zaul. Yeah. Here's what I will say when it, when it comes down to this: if there is an area that's extremely, think about think about areas that you. Everybody is sensitive in certain things. Everybody. The other day, we were doing a conference call, and one of the leaders asked me questions, and then she asked, "How do you deal with sensitive people?" Okay. I said, what do you mean? Well, how do you deal with people that are sensitive? I said, everybody's sensitive. Mm -hmm. You're sensitive. I'm sensitive. Don't get it twisted that just because you are not sensitive in an area that I'm sensitive in, as if you are not sensitive in any area. You have certain sensitivities. But it's going to be different than Tyler's. Tyler's going to be different than Tom's. Tom's going to be different than uh, Carolina's. The point when it comes down to kids, that is a very very, very sensitive area because mm. anything you pay the biggest price for, anything, you build a business, you busted your ass for 10 years working 80 hours a week, let me let me break it down for you. That person that runs that business, extremely sensitive about protecting a business, right? Kids, you spend all those hours, that's a lot of sensitivity. By the way, the comment about teachers being uh, underpaid, I disagree partially. Um, teachers get a, a nice little summer off. Uh, uh, they can do some summer school and stuff that they volunteer to do. Great. Uh, I think 30% of them should be fired, to be honest with you. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be teachers. They, they should go to a different occupation. There's a lot of people that are teachers that are miserable, that are bitter, that are not happy. There's no such thing as a performance base. It's just stick around and you're going to get a raise every year for tenure that you have in place. I don't agree with that. I Amen. think there's got to be certain. protected by the union. Yeah, and by the way, right. even, in, even in the military, even in the military, guess what? There were guys in the Army that were there for 20 years that were still E6s, meaning if you don't do certain correspondence and improve, you ain't getting a promoted to E7 or E8 or E9 or whatever it is. Use that same thing with teachers and give them certain criteria to be able to become better teachers. So I think 30% in a military, they used to do the following. When they had bad sergeants in the Army where they were just not good leaders, you know what the Army would do? Hmm. They'd come up to you if you're less than 15 years. They didn't want you to retire with 20 years because they didn't want to pay you for the rest of your life. They'd come and they would say, hey, man, we'll give you $30,000 for you to leave today. Flat out. They'd come and say, we'll give you 20. And you know how many people would take it? A lot of them. Because mm -hmm. Army's sitting there saying, we're wasting our time with this person that's not going to be a leader. Here's 15 grand, leave. Here's 30 grand, leave. I think many of these districts need to go to the bad teachers and say, 
Here's $30,000, leave. You don't need to do this anymore. So this concept about everybody being afraid to have to say all these teachers are perfect, stop it. Not all business people are great. The ones who are not great should be fired and go out of business. Not all these too-big-to-fill companies need to stick around because some of them don't know how to handle it. They keep doing buybacks and using taxpayers' dollars to save their own assets for making stupid mistakes. Let them go out of business. Let another company that's a better operator buy them. Same with cops. Same with firefighters. Same with pastors. Same with teachers. Anybody at the bottom 30% of what they're doing that's not good at, you ought to get fired. Go figure out something you want to do and take care of the customer. So, no, I don't think all teachers are the best teachers out there doing a great job. I think 30% of them should get fired. Anyways, people may disagree with me on this. Sorry, just to. But there are genuinely, there are good teachers that love what they do. They love their kids. They should get a raise. But they should, and and, but they are rare to, to find. So, I totally hear you. I think those teachers should be turned. Here's what I would do if I ran a state, okay? If I ran a state, okay, say one day we campaign, you become a governor, I'm your campaign manager, and I'm sitting on the back, you know, we're working together, right? Okay. You know what we would strategize with? Here's what we would do. We would take the top 20 best teachers, we'd bring them in, and guess what we're doing to them? Turn them into freaking rock stars. Mm -hmm. Tell me why this person's a great teacher. We'd create a Florida district YouTube channel and we would turn these teachers into heroes and put advertisements behind them. And then the state gives that teacher a $50,000 tax, whatever bonus that they're getting. You do to 20 teachers. What's 20 teachers on $50,000? Nothing. It's a million bucks. But that million bucks is going to get the other teachers to say, shit, maybe i got to become a better teacher. But because we're not doing the hero-making machine of the right teachers, nobody knows what the hell is a good teacher. All we know is stick around, bro. You're going to get your 10-year bullshit raised. And nobody cares if you're good or bad. Don't do that. Just make sure you're okay here, and we're going to be all right. I don't agree with that. I think I think the hero-making machine needs to change. But the sensitivities of parents with kids mm-hmm. is a real issue. And this is an area where I would feel very uncomfortable. If your, if your kid came and talked to me and said something to me and said, hey, Uncle Patrick, man, I, I want to talk about something. I don't feel like I can talk to my dad about it. He's 16. You know who's the first phone call I'm making? You're calling the parent. I'm calling you, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, Adam, can I talk to you? Hey, I want to tell you something, bro. Just remember. Him and I got a very good relationship, and I, I I look at your son like my own son, man. So I want to tell you this, but I, can you handle? Can you promise me that we're going to keep? Because I want to help as much as I can. Yeah, he's struggling with this, and I think you need to know this because last thing I want to. Do, and by the way, if I don't tell you, and God forbid something happens to your son, for the rest of my life I will feel guilty about not having told you that mm-hmm. because no one cares more about that kid than the parent. Nobody. Not the teacher, mm-hmm. not the friend, not the uncle, not anybody. No one cares more about that kid than the, uh, than the parent. So I feel that part that Tom brought up. This I don't know. I don't even know how the hell we went into this conversation because we have a whole other topics mm-hmm. to get into. This was not even on our list of topics today. So now we only have an hour and sixteen minutes left for the real topics. What do you got up here? Washington State now appears to allow minors to undergo life-changing gender reassignment surgery without parental consent. Under this new law, just, health insurance must cover a gender-affirming care, um, including surgical treatments that were previously denied coverage. This is January 12, 2022. Uh, this, uh, yeah. this is the logical next step, though. When you well, cut no. out the parent... Well, hang on. How far are they willing this. to right, go? This is the logical mm-hmm. next step. When the guidance counselor doesn't talk to the parent and the child changes their mind and decides that they are now she, her pronouns from he, him, so they've got this in their mind, what's the logical next step for yeah. them? To fulfill the she, her pronoun. Right. So what do they do? They go see their doctor. And and on your point, you said that the guidance counselor is a trained expert. Well, so are these doctors. These doctors are trained experts. There's only one area we have an issue with, though, here, Tyler. 
I don't, I don't disagree with them. I just have one issue. Guess what the issue is? There's only one issue we, we are debating here. Telling the parent. Telling the parent. Well, I, I don't, I don't that disagree. That is the only issue. So meaning he's right. That conversation's going to be had. They're going to have that. Like if I want to join the military, I'd go to Miss Sinclair and I would say, Miss Sinclair, I want to join the army, but I don't think my mom's going to support it. What do you think? Do, do you understand? Like, okay. Right. My mom should probably know that. No, I, and I agree 100%. I'm just saying yeah. this is – you're now cutting out the parent totally. So, again, yeah. I, I don't disagree at all that, sure, they'll have the, the conversation with a guidance counselor. But first of all, the guidance counselor isn't a therapist. They're not a, a nonpartisan neutral actor. They're going to have – they're going to guide the child. And if they don't tell the parent, you're now having laws where the doctors no longer have to t- tell the parents. I'll give you guys the final the thoughts. I'll give <laughs> the two of you guys each final thoughts, and then we'll move on the topic. If you have one, I have one, one thing to say. Go ahead. Just so I don't want to be, we're, I don't want to. The, the issue is being conflated, and I just want to be very clear here. Sure. There needs to be certain trigger points. Okay. Hey, I'm having a conversation. I don't know if I'm gay. I don't know. I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if I if I like this girl. Totally normal conversation. If I think I'm, I'm a boy and I think about becoming a girl, if I'm thinking about committing suicide, fuck yeah, inform the parents. There's trigger points. That is something completely different from, hey, I'm having a, a normal issue. Those are two totally separate things. What percentage of kids are considering changing their sex or committing suicide? The 1%? Well, that those need but, to be but informed. Minute, but that percentage parent. is increasing. Then yes, in yeah. those cases, okay. inform the parents. If it's a casual conversation in that regard and they don't want to inform the parents, I'm okay with that. I want to be super clear on that. Quick point. You made a really great point about results-driven teachers. My mom is a guidance counselor, kindergarten teacher and all, whatever. Became a guidance counselor. She would have 30 kids lined up at her door just waiting to see her because they loved her so much. Yet the other teachers and the other guidance counselors barely had the same kids. They were working all the same hours. My mom would work late because she wanted to to talk with each student individually. But yet because of the school system and because it's not run like a business, they were still paid the same. She deserves a raise. Their performance met- performance didn't matter. And and you bring up a really good point there. And I think that's something that actually governors should consider. 20, 20 great teachers every quarter give them $50,000 bonus. Every quarter. That's $4 million a year. I would do it if I was a governor. 20 teachers every quarter need to get a $50,000 bonus given to them. A state can afford to do that. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, so I, I want to end with facts on, on the suicide side. And, and this is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Trevor Project that works with Johns Hopkins to conduct research studies. <clears throat> LGBTQ youth are four times as likely to commit suicide than their peers. Um, 1.8 million of them communicate their desire to commit suicide each year. There is one suicide attempt from age 13 to 18, LGBTQ youth, every 45 seconds. Um, and 45% of the LGBTQ publicly identified youth have seriously considered suicide in the past year. I mean, you call it stigmas, you call it bullying, there's a lot of bad things that happen there, but you're talking about a mental health crisis that we need a team working on, and we need parents working on it, and we need guidance counselors not being isolated for political reasons, and we need teachers not being isolated for political reasons, because we have a crisis with our youth. And if Bill Maher is correct that the percentages are increasing, 
this is horrifying stats. And by the way, to, to transition away from this into the next one, I don't think we could have done a better job by whether it's pure luck or intentional going into Salvador Ramos, what happened in Uvalde with San Antonio. Oh. This is exactly the direction where it goes. If there's communication, there's many things. So listen, a lot of people have commented about the tragic event that took place in San Antonio over uh, last uh, what, 72 hours or four days ago uh, when yep. this event took place? This was uh, two days ago, right, Tuesday, when this event took place? Yes, Tuesday. So 19 children died, two teachers died. Salvador Ramos, I yesterday and today I've been trying to find out about this guy. Steve Kress commented on it. Matthew McConaughey, Beto O'Rourke, President Obama. There's pretty much so many people. We're going to go through all of that, and I want to get your commentary, everybody that's listening to this. Um, so here's what I wanted to find out about the the, the shooter. So here's what we know about Salvatore Ramos. 18 years old, he killed 19 children and two teachers, okay? They interviewed the grandfather. He said he would stay in the room by himself all the time. He didn't talk very much. He played video games. He didn't live with his uh, mothers because they had problems. Uh, he didn't have a driver's license. He never spoke about guns. On social media, he gave hints. He said, wait till tomorrow. Kids be scared with photos of assault rifles and magazines. He texted a girl the morning of the shooting, four hours before the event, at 7.33 a.m. Uh, he texted a girl saying, hey, you're going to repost my gun pick? She asked, what your guns got to do with me? He said, I have a little secret to tell you. Okay, so this already happened four hours before. Uh, Governor Abbott shared three disturbing posts. He said, uh, I'm going to shoot my grandmother. Then momentarily later, he posted, I shot my grandmother, who's 66 years old, that worked for the school district. Then I'm going to shoot an elementary school. He shared these three posts. This is not like it's in his mind. He posted these three things, right? He turned 18 on May 16th. On May 17th, he bought an AR-15 rifle style gun, uh, uh, style rifle. And then on the 20th, he bought another one from Oasis Outback. He bought 375 rounds of uh, 5.56 ammunition. He shot one of the girls, students, who tried to call 911. He noticed she's calling 911. He shot her. No criminal or mental history. They're right now doing some due diligence to see if he's got anything with Juvie, but apparently it's saying it's got nothing. Friends said he was a loner. He was bullied in school for speech impediment. He came from a family of drug addiction. Several months before the massacre, he came to live with his grandmother. He slept on a mattress on the floor. Favorite game was Call of Duty. His friend said he had scars on his face. They asked him, what happened to your face? He says, I did it myself. The day before the shooting, he had an argument over failing to graduate with his grandmother, and he shot her in the face, okay? Ramos fled the home with grandparents' pickup trucks, which they found it on the side. And then, you know, a couple people saw him. One guy saw him saying, hey, is something wrong with you? I'm trying to help you. And then he saw the gun. And then he went out. Apparently, one of the doors was open in the school to get in. And he goes into the first classroom and, you know, 19 uh, students he kills and two teachers. And then I brought a bunch of different things here on what some people have given solutions. This is what I want to do. One, I want to get your take. Then I want to see what you think the challenge is. Because there's a few different things here that we got to look at. One is the shooter. We got to look at the profile of the shooter. Now we know enough about the shooter to know what he is. Obviously, we're going to learn more as times come by. 
Is it the gun maker's fault? Because you know they're going to get a lawsuit. Because we heard what happened with the lawsuit with Remington had to pay seventy-two million dollars, right? And they just said yes. They just settled and said seventy-two million for what? Sandy Hook. Yep. And you better believe this is coming. Guys know they're going to pay for this, right? Mm -hmm. Is it the shooter? Is it the gun maker? Is it the state? Is it federal level? Is it lobbyists? Is it media? Is it COVID lockdown? Is it Fauci? Is it the president? Is it the parents? Is it Big Pharma? Who is it? And then what kind of solutions can we come up with? Because there's different kinds of solutions. We'll talk everybody's solutions on what they're uh, suggesting. But I want to hear from you guys. So from the story you heard, obviously the initial reaction, tragic event. But what are your thoughts? Catalina, I'll go to you first. Number one, uh, evil will commit evil. And they will get their hands on whatever they want to commit evil with, period. This was a deranged person. And it's sick to me that politicians, talking heads, the media inflame the conversation. And the first thing they try to do is push gun control and start to villainize or vilify the AR-15 and the gun. And they talk about the object used more than the actual case and the person and and the the issue behind it all it, it the focus is on the weapon when a, when somebody kills somebody with a car with a DUI or whatever they don't talk about the make and model of a vehicle they talk that the person is is the person in question and why they did it and and et cetera et cetera Great it is so sick to me that they immediately try to gun control we need to ban ar-15s and and then everybody from a cultural perspective blue check marks celebrities politicians inflame the narrative millennials unfortunately don't even understand what an ar-15 is half the time don't even understand guns and then they just start creating this massive narrative that is false tom um, it's a very good point there, by the way, in regards tragic. to if the car were to, we don't go and say what's the make and model. We talk about the Boy, driver, another four, not the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Somebody. I want to make one quick point. It is awful what happened, and every gun owner believes we have hearts, and it's devastating. But it's not the gun. It is the person. A- amen. It is the person. and we, It's kind of to our previous discussion how it rolls into this. I find it really interesting that nobody wants to talk about red flag laws. Nobody wants to talk about the things that would enable citizens to notify and give tip lines when something's going on. Isn't it interesting that the same week this happens... Our Treasury Department uncovers a very subtle but deep attempt by a gentleman in Ohio to assassinate ex-President Bush. Now, how did that happen, Pat? Because they have early warning systems. They have feelers. They're listening. They have stuff out there. And they say, we better go talk to this guy. We better go figure out what this guy's doing. And they thwart the assassination. If the same type of systems and attempts were out there in the form of red flag laws and other things, we would be finding people that really need help. And how many things would we stop in, in terms of individual suicides? Very interesting that a state senator in New York said, listen, the number one a problem we have with guns in the state of New York is suicides. And it's not a high-capacity magazine. It's one. He said, you know, the, the, the issue is we're not getting to people that desperately need help. And so I, I lean toward, you know, you have to harden the target, and it looks like the door was unlocked back by the teacher's parking lot. you got to harden your targets. The, anything about security, whether you're talking Internet security or building security, you got to harden the target. And then the other side of it, we, we need the ability to, through red flag, 
And by the way, Florida has one. Florida has red flag laws. You can call and the equivalent of child protection services. will go out, speak to somebody. And, and you know, how many lives do they save, including that person? Because the first life is usually the suicide. Adam. I mean, there's so many reasons this keeps happening. And first and foremost, we have to protect the kids. Okay, because it's very clear these freaking losers in Congress, no offense, you're not there yet, can't figure it out. They just can't. The public sentiment is, and I think where people, where I don't know if it's the left or the anti-NRA, they started saying uh, gun control. It should be more gun safety or gun education. Mm -hmm. But the, I, mean, I think it was uh, David Harris that you quoted yesterday. Mm -hmm. you, you probably have that. Oh, put it up so we yeah, can show it. I, I mean, I totally I agree with that. To... We defend our president yeah. with guns. We defend our congressmen and women with guns. We defend our governors with guns, celebrities with guns, sporting events, jewelry stores, banks, office buildings, factories, courts, all with guns. But we defend our children with a sign that reads, this is a gun-free zone. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. I am sick and tired of seeing this. And... I feel like when Parkland happened yeah. here in our backyard, yeah. disgusted. I have friends, I have family members that live in Coral Springs, Parkland. When Sandy Cook happened under Obama, uh, the Obama presidency, when what, 2010-ish? Like, that that's heartbreaking. And you have these, you know, I remember a time where you would go to school and you would play Duck, Duck, Goose, and that's all you had to worry about. And now they're literally sitting ducks. So for some psychopath to come in and just shoot up the place because he knows he's not going to get met with a gun. How deranged and how just what a for an 18 year old kid to say, I'm just going to go shoot some 10 year olds like he knows that he's not going to face a challenge. This kid's scared. This kid's got issues. This kid's got mental illness. That's a whole nother thing we need to talk about here. There's so many different factors and and different ways that we can assess this but we need to start with the problem that these kids are sitting ducks in school and i want to know why though i want to know why this keeps happening and what the solution is because everyone's pitching a different solution i i want to know what the solution is you raise your hand you wanted to say something I think number one yeah. absolutely you know most members especially the ones who are constantly met with death threats and whatever have armed security right i mean that that post is very valid. Why aren't we protecting our kids with the same level? Why aren't we spending the money, the taxpayer money are being spent on, on ridiculous items, but not on protecting our most vulnerable on the, on the point on the, on members of Congress, everything has become so politicized right now. And it's incredible. It's a form to, it's a way to divide. Because when you have politicians that are so quick to pass legislation and to get together, especially when they have a majority, when the left has a majority in Congress, they're ready to push legislation immediately based on what agenda they want. So if they don't like guns because A, they don't understand them, B, they just don't like them, they don't respect our Second Amendment and why it was written as written, they will pass what they want and they are able to put their own influence, their agenda and use a tragedy to politicize it. That is sick to me. Your member of Congress should listen. If you want to come up with solutions, members of Congress are not these brilliant 
uh, philosophers. That's you, very true, Catalina. You, you need to, you need to listen and find solutions. Talk to people. Talk. Figure out why these problems solve mm-hmm. instead of putting your own political agenda and then passing legislation based on your own politics. Well, Rahm Emanuel once said, "You never want a serious crisis to go to waste." Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is an opportunity to do things mm-hmm. that you think you could not do before. So right. they're definitely capitalizing off what's going on. Here, well, here's, here's, you know what's going to happen. What's Can I that? just say this? Yeah. Just how like we, we brought up um, the LGBT and everything that happened with CRT. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the group of people that is moving the country these days are the soccer moms and the COVID moms. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened in Virginia with uh, who's the, the governor of Virginia, uh, Gene Youngkin, <clears throat> how we defeated Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. And it was all on the premise of CRT. Okay, and the Republicans on the right, they're winning the culture wars because keep your hands off my kids. You want a sure way to lose? Like, like as far as I'm concerned, there's going to be a red wave, just like when AOC came in to Congress in Mm -hmm. 2018. There was a blue wave. A lot of it was anti-Trump, what have you. Right now, I think, you know, you might be a part of it. And I wish you the best of luck in 2022 midterms. I assume there's going to be a red wave. You know how there won't be a red wave is when soccer moms or COVID moms or the moms say, yeah, I just want my kids to be safe at school. And if you have the left basically saying, what the hell's going on? The guns, the guns, the guns. Defund the police. Okay, but that's an that's an issue from three years ago at this point. But and you have the, the I'm just letting you know what the left is going to do. Mark my words. This weekend is an NRA conference. In Texas, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. So when you see all these Republicans show up at the NRA, giving speeches about whatever they're going to talk about the NRA, the left is going to capitalize that and say, see, these people don't care about your kids. They care about guns more. They care about the Second Amendment more than anything else. And this isn't even my opinion. This is going to happen. You're 100% right, which is why it's so important that you have good messengers on our side that are able to communicate to the soccer moms the realities of of these things to promote um, gun safety, to not vilify guns and gun culture. And when you look at the defund the police movement, I know it, it was, you know, three years ago, but that really did impact moms because it was affecting these local communities when when they when the left wants to defund the police and they vilify the, the law enforcement, they law, they vilify, they vilify the weapons that they use. Mama bears want to protect their cubs. And I will tell you, we have more moms getting their void cards, concealed carry, yeah. uh, talking about school choice because they are so fed up with the way that their local governments are running their kids, their communities, and the schools. Yeah, but I wanna, they're, I wanna, they're, they're wanna, more fed up with dead kids. Yeah, but but I'm, I'm going to tell you this here. So I could care less about the convention that they're having, and I could care less about all this other stuff because that's politics. Set that aside. Mm-hmm. I want solutions, okay? So I'm thinking long-term solutions. Anytime you build a business and we're going through a crisis – and you may lose people today. And by the way, this is business. I'm not talking life. So don't mm-hmm. confuse losing people with you. Know, I'm talking long-term solution because I don't want this thing to happen again. I was watching videos of one of the fathers holding the daughter's picture like this on CNN, crying, emotional, talking about the fact how sweet her daughter was and how she had a three. they have a three-year-old son. And the three-year-old son, they had to explain to him the fact that your, your sister is now with God. And the kid didn't understand it because he just wants to play with his older sister that's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. 
that's pain. Those 19 parents, no matter what we do today, they're in pain. The two teachers that you lost their lives, those families are going to be mourning, and this is going to be a scar that's going to be left for the rest of their lives. However, I want solutions. Here's where I'm thinking. Let me tell you what's, what's been proposed, and I'm listening to everybody's solution. Um, Sean Whalen, I just gave you the tweet. This guy has great commentary that he posts. We talked about his parenting style, what he did with his son that he didn't want to do wrestling. If you remember that guy's story, mm-hmm. he, he, he posted this on Instagram yesterday. He says, he says there's 131,000 K through 12 schools in America. Place an armed guard retired vet at every school. Pay him 75K a year. That's $9.8 billion to protect every school in America, right? Okay. You look at this, yet we spend $40 billion that we sent to Ukraine. Let that sink in. So that hurts the left that's sitting there saying, oh, we want to save, we want to do this, we want to do that, yet you're not using who you already have. There are 19 million well-trained, very valuable retired veterans currently in America, men and women trusted by the government to protect this nation. I trust them to protect our schools, okay? Uh, the real question is, where do you stand and what will you do about it? Okay, so that's one point. Steve Kerr on the other side, who is on the complete opposite side of Sean Whalen, said the following. He lost it in an interview, uh, and he made an emotional plea. You can tell he was emotional because he personally experienced this, I believe, with his father. So, you know, you know this is something very close to him. He says, now we have children murdered at school. Uh, when are we going to do something? I'm so tired of getting up here and uh, offering condolences to devastated families that are out there. I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators who refuse to vote on HR8, which is a background check rule that the House passed two years ago. There's a reason why they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence, the school shooting, and the supermarket shooting, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire of power ahead of our children, our elderly, and our churchgoers, because that's what it looks like. So what he's saying is his solution, purely, everything he said, the solution of what Steve Kerr said is what? Background a background check. check. Okay, fine. So the, that's a background check. Now let's go to another one. There's the, it needs to go deeper than just but background it needs to go. So, so here's where I go. I looked up yesterday on what percentage of teachers are CPR certified, okay? Mm-hmm. And I looked it up and I'm like, okay, what percentage of teachers are CPR certified? You'll see different numbers on different states. Uh, I have an article here. Uh, Tyler, I don't know if I sent you this article or not. If I don't, if I didn't, I'll email it to you right now so you can show it to everybody. This shows which states are CPR certified and which ones are not, meaning certain states require you to be uh, 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 require you to be CPR certified. If you can pull that up so people can see it, the article right there. States where CPR training is mandatory for teachers. You may be asking, Pat, where are you going with this? I'll explain to you here in a minute. Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, California, Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, New York, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia. Required. Okay? Known states where bills have been introduced. None states where CPR is not yet required for teachers is the rest. Arizona, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia. I mean, Adam, they're not required, right? Okay, cool. They're not required. Here's what I would be asking. And by the way, Steve Kerr was against teachers having guns in schools. Okay, the guy whose name was Angel Vargas, I want to say that saw the shooter in the backyard, Albert Vargas saw the guy in the back of the school and he went up to try to help him. Then he saw the gun that came out. He's like, oh, shit. Then he went to the car because he had a pistol. He said, if I had a pistol with me right now, I could have shot him and saved these 19 kids. 
That's what he said, Albert Vargas. So by the way, but there's a lesson there as well because here's the lesson. The lesson then becomes if we have kids, if we have teachers that are CPR certified, 28% of them, whatever it is, I think that needs to be 100% of teachers need to be CPR certified because you just need to know how to handle that moment. We saw a video the other day, one kid that was running out, couldn't breathe. Somebody came and helped him. I saved his life. It can happen at any time. Uh, Why not take some of the teachers in school who volunteer to be certified, why don't we protect the teachers that have background, send them to some kind of training? I don't know. Make it 10% of teachers. Make it 5% of teachers. Make it something that is a group of teachers that choose to be certified, to have guns in schools. And what Sean talked about, I agree with that as well. So to sit around saying, oh, we don't need to have any of this stuff is is a bunch of, uh, you know, Nonsense. So n- another one, Beto jumps up, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw when Beto jumped up and yeah. tried to be opportunistic. Let me tell you what totally. you did. It's your fault. It's this. It's that. And that opportunity moment, that's when you know you don't let an opportunity go to waste. You know this guy's going to be running for governor. And what's his solutions? His solution a couple of years ago when he changed his solution was, would you consider confiscating weapons and confiscating people's guns? And, well, I would, I would definitely consider it as an option. Well, folks, I'm just telling you that's just not going to happen in america it's going to be very problematic if they try to take guns away from people that own guns the whole reason why people have guns is because it is fyi uh sammy the bull said something when i interviewed him about about guns he says let me put it to you this way bad guys people like me we're going to get our hands on guns you want to take guns away from good guys you have problems you don't want guns taken away from good guys because a bad guy like me will always illegally find a way to get his hands on guns. So is the solution to take away guns? I don't know about that. But I will tell you, for me, went a little bit deeper than that is Joel, who was the dean of our school, um, sent this text to me yesterday, and I asked him, I said, who wrote this? He says, I wrote this. I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. I'm not going to give his full name, but you guys can read what he had to say. People want to go after and attack gun rights after this awful event that took place. I get it. Please tell me, though, how will this change anything? Drugs are illegal, and we have them in high volume in our country right now. Chicago is one of the most gun-restricted states in America, yet 797 homicides and 3,561 shootings in 2021 and 204 deaths already in 2022. In the case of Texas School, the Texas Church and the Buffalo Grocery Store, even the strictest gun laws was broken. Why would you think that more laws wouldn't be broken? Evil would exist, you talked about that earlier, more and more the further we get away from God. He took the angle of faith and the role values and principles plays. Mm -hmm. Then I saw what PragerU posted, which was very interesting. They said, since America removed God and religion from public life, marriage rates, birth rates, charitable giving has declined, crime, behavior problems in school, fatherlessness has increased. Look. I don't know what the solution for this is. I don't think it's one or two things. I think a lot of people are playing the role on this. I will tell you that if you're constantly, constantly dividing America with media and you're talking about who hates who and you're agitating these young kids, at any point, they don't fully have all the information. They may go out there and do something. You talked about the fact that, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe they need to make guns what? Uh, not 18 and over. An 18-year-old person shouldn't be able to buy a gun, right? Maybe if alcohol is 21, is the solution to make guns 21 instead of 18? For well, me, then you can go die for your country yeah, in Afghanistan right. at 18. For so me, kind of weird. for me, for me, what I, what I think 
is the solution with me. This is me talking. Mm -hmm. I think the more trained people, the safer we feel. I don't want a person having a gun that's not trained. I want more people. I want more trained people Mm -hmm. to have guns. I want people who are taking any kind of medication that has to do with mental health, illness, anybody that's taking any kind of medication like that, I don't think those folks ought to have access to guns until they're good. These are my opinions. These are my solutions. People are pitching a lot of different ways to solve this. My only interest is what can we do to address this moving forward, not just a let's put a Band-Aid like you're saying right now, oh, you know what, let's emotionally make a decision, create laws, and right now let's do this. No, let's figure out the right long-term solution and realize the following. As, as terrible as this may sound, no matter what policies we put in place, the bad guys are not going away. Mm-hmm. No matter what policies you put in place, fatherlessness, a kid raised without a father, my kids are got, they got very, very, very strong personalities, my boys. I'll come home, you know how they are. I'll come home and Melva will say, Daddy, they, oh, she'll call me, or Jen, or my dad even will call me. They're not listening. So when I come home, it takes a second for them to listen. I imagine if there wasn't that, okay? So it, when, when they're sitting there, something, there's a guy on CNN yesterday that said, if you care so much, if you care so much about the current living children as much as you did about the unborn, we could have saved these 19 lives. And then so conservatives say, well, what about the 1 million? How come you don't care about the 1 million lives that was lost last year according to uh, based on abortion? Why do you only care about this? Is this really only politics? So there's so much of political positions both sides are taking, and they're so blinded that they're not sitting there saying, what is truly the long-term solution? Instead of repeating what I heard on Tucker, instead of repeating what I heard from Cooper, instead of repeating what I saw on MSNBC, instead of me repeating that, no, actually pause, guys. All that stuff you said to take shots at me or the other person, no one cares. What do we want to do about this? What's the long-term solution? And what works? Let's figure something out. That's where we need to go. And I don't think we're going that direction at this point. But those are some of my thoughts about what I think is going on. Go ahead. Yeah, culture runs politics, not the other way around. And that's important to note because, for example, the Chicago um, example is is true. AR-15s were banned in 2019 in the city of Chicago, yet gun homicides went up by 53% regardless. So it, it we there is data to show that gun control legislation and gun control might not work. And and why are law-abiding citizens that impacts law-abiding citizens? Again, the bad guys will get their hands on 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 it regardless. What happens if a kid wanted to drive a, a semi or a, a truck or whatever into a building like, are we talking about the the truck and the building that that is able to still hurt uh, and and kill and and on a mass scale? I mean, why is the focus on the gun and the object used? And that's the issue. Is again, they're making policy changes based on us on a singular narrative instead of looking at all of these different. It's obviously a complex issue. Um, Hunter Pollock is a is a friend of mine. His sister was killed in Parkland, and he talks a lot about one of his tweets said single point of entry armed security protect our schools like we protect our airports and federal buildings we need to fortify these areas and in our most vulnerable and we should be that should be one area avenue of solution that we do look at but that's not going to happen when you have this noise and the culture surrounding the anti-gun movement 
they are dictating right now the terms. It'll only the all they will talk about is regulating guns and not actually focusing on a more complex solution. And I think it comes down to the states and the at the local community level as well to have thoughtful leaders that come together and want to make change at their schools on a local and state level because your members of Congress and from a federal level, they're a lot of them won't listen right now and it's very divided. Tom. I agree with you. So you, you look at it right now and no one is looking at the finger that was on the trigger. Go back to Columbine. Tell me about the age of those guys. Oh, two boys, 17, 18. And go to this one. No one's looking at the finger on the trigger and saying, what do we have to do to get out in front of this to stop the people that are perpetrating this? Because the phrase is right. If guns are outlawed, only outlaws have guns. That's very true. Mm -hmm. It was true during Prohibition where Al Capone and the Chicago gangs had bigger and better guns than the little pistol that the average cop had in Chicago. And so when you focus on guns, you try to control the guns, you're not going to get to the heart of the matter. Both Australia and Japan, and you can find the stories today, did multi-point multi-point implementations. It's just like business. I never have a single problem in business. It's not just sales, right, Pat? It'd be sales and its leadership and it's their product. Mm -hmm. And you have to you have to turn a bunch of knobs. And it's not to equate business with this situation, but there's a lot of points here that we have to look at. You know, we if we sell a car, we have to fill out a form and we have to go to DMV. Why shouldn't there be some sort of you know requirement on that? But that's only going to help the law-abiding sportsmen who are buying guns from each other or trading guns from each other. You know, you, you, it's this is a multi-part problem, and we got to get to the finger that was on the trigger and look at what was common in these shooters mm -hmm. because there is a crisis in in our America's youth. There's a crisis going on because these are who the shooters are. And it's like, what do they have in common? How can we get out in front of it? Adam, Question, do you have any yeah, final thoughts well, here? Why are school zones or schools gun-free zones? Why is that? Why is that a thing? Does anyone know? And why are they advertising? Does By the way, know that, the that, that's what Steve Kerr uh, supported four years ago when kids were talking about guns to make it a gun-free zone. So mm -hmm. Steve Kerr's rant he had the other day contradicts himself mm -hmm. because, one, he wants background checks, but, mm -hmm. two, he supported not having any – keeping schools as a gun-free zone. Well, which, I, I, well, to be clear, I'm I'm in favor of gun-free zones for kids. This guy, I don't want, I don't want kids bringing guns to school. Luciano just commented right now saying every school has uh, school safety officers on site. If we are really serious as a nation about keeping our children safe, then why are they unarmed? Exactly. He's validating yes. your point. What's, right. Yeah. But like, what's the rationale there? What, like, hey guys, listen, we're going to protect everyone—the presidents, the governments, yeah. the bank, the congressmen, sporting events, the schools. No guns. We can't have a gun on campus. It, Explain that to me. I truly believe it's the culture. Again, I think the defund the police movement and how law enforcement has been vilified and just surrounding. Why is it that they don't value protection and the people who protect us? It's a culture issue. I don't, I, I don't know if it's a culture. I mean, because this is, it's, is, is, is I, I, this is a question, not a point. Is, but this is in every school in America. Is this in elementary, middle school, high school? What's Some the, schools have armed What's guards. the problem? Because that's what Some I'm saying. Some schools do. Why aren't there more armed? Uh, Sean Whalen, who, who you mentioned, 
I agree. Have a couple of veterans. Have a couple of security guards with guns. Vetted, secure. I, I don't get it. I, I just, my, my brain isn't wrapping. Look, it's become so clear. Congress ain't doing anything. Clearly. I mean, since Sandy Hook, since Columbine, has anything changed? They talk about bump stocks. You know, whatever the hell that issue yeah. was. Okay? Congress isn't moving the needle. Because basically what's happening on the right is they're saying, keep your hands off my guns. I'm not ever going to let you have my gun. It's not happening. And by the way, if we've learned anything over COVID, the left will overreach. And they clearly have the right to feel like, nah, I don't trust you. You know, come And then on the left, they're basically saying all they care about is their guns. They care about guns more than kids living. And this is the culture war right here. Right. But the, the one thing that the left... And the right, kind of like with the abortion, let's protect the life of the mother. The one thing the left and the right do agree on is let's protect these kids. So let's start with the schools and figure out a solution within the schools and within the school systems, within the school districts, because Congress on a government federal level yeah. can't get their shit figured so, out. So, so let me read this and I want to I uh, give you a complete opposite comment that was just made to get your feedback on this. According to Crime Prevention Research Center, gun-free zones, areas uh, where guns are prohibited have been... The target of more than 98% of all mass shootings, this staggering number is why such designated areas are often referred to as soft targets, meaning unprotected and vulnerable. According to Crime Prevention Center Research Center, only a little more than 1% of mass public shootings since 1950 have, have occurred in places where uh, places that were not considered to be gun-free zones. Uh, in fact, a, as Crime Prevention uh, Research Center President John Law Jr. noted in October 2015, only two mass shootings in U.S. since 1950 have occurred in an area where citizens were not prohibited from carrying a gun. Very interesting stat right there. But I want to throw a com complete curveball in there based mm -hmm. on what Tico just said. Comment. He just gave $20 and said, U.S. is the only country where it happens so often because no other country has that many guns owned by the public. Every country has crazy and immoral people, but no other country has such easy access to guns as U.S. Do you agree with them? You guys are quiet. It's a pretty good point he's making. So what do you, what do you, you say? At, when you look at guns per capita, I mean, the United States guns per capita is highest in the world. And then there's this other guy, Mario Frady, says, so here's a question. You think that there would be similar situations with mental health issues considering this background in Europe? Yes, of course. The difference, you can't buy an AR-15 in Europe. Don't they have mass knife stabbings? They do I have, want the, the data here. To, yeah, to, they do have mass, uh, especially in UK. Yeah. yeah. The data yeah, would say that guys, he's incorrect. Actually. Mass knife stabbings? But but wait a minute. Versus a, a, killing somebody is killing somebody. The weapon used is should not be the focus. Yeah, but th that's like, you know what? Forget about the weapon. I'm just going to have an old school musket and just every time I shoot, I'm going to reload. Like, it, it doesn't add up. There's if you have an AR-15, you can go... Brrr. What? No, you can't. Is that not what an AR-15? That's not what an AR-15 Okay, no, so then not. what is an AR-15? It's AR a single... That's what people a think. That's not a, that's you, not an AR-15. You're the military guy. That's yeah, not an AR-15 doesn't do that, bro. They're not a military style weapon. What is yeah. it? Okay. It's a semi, AR, it's a semi why would somebody even need an AR-15? It's a what? How? Because I think forty percent of all shootings have used an AR-15 specifically. No, they're it's, handguns. That's not no? true. The, the vast majority of mass shootings are committed with handguns. They, a congressional study and said. By the way, that's a big number. It's a, not a small number. It's not like 
Forty-nine percent. It's a very. But why does someone need an? Can you pull up what an AR-15 looks like? Just because it's why bigger, do, it doesn't but why do, mean it's why any does someone need than it, a normal though? gun? Why does someone need an AR-15? It's a type of gun. But why does someone need it? Because it's a gun. Because it's it's <laughs> longer why, range. But, but what what do they use it for? It doesn't matter. It, but let me it play devil's why advocate. We, why we want it? This, no, it does matter. This is coming no, from doesn't. a guy that owns AR-15, and I own a lot of stuff that I own. Okay, mm-hmm. and I have it. This is my concern, Tyler, and I want you to push back on this. And Catalina and Tom, challenge this argument. Why shouldn't the people that are buying these weapons be well-trained? Why shouldn't there be something tied to mental health and the, the medication they're taking? Why shouldn't that be okay for us to know that? What's wrong with knowing that and what's wrong with us increasing training? When I get a car that I use... I got to get a permit and I got to get a license, right? I mean, that's across the board. And a car is a weapon. The car is some, believe me, there's some drivers in America who shouldn't be driving any cars right now, right? So why not focus on training? And is there anybody that's buying guns that shouldn't have access to those guns? By the way, FYI, keep in mind, I know that no matter what we do, we're not going to get to 0% where none of this stuff's going to be happening. But why not focus on getting people trained more, Tom? You build a great point. <clears throat> My daughter just got her driver's license. She had to certify she's not under medication. She has to take a vision test. And so it says on your uh, driver's license, corrected. So if she's pulled over and she doesn't have glasses, no, her eyesight's fine. But if she had glasses and she's pulled over not wearing her glasses, the cop will say, hey, you've got corrected vision. Why aren't you wearing your glasses? So they do that. And uh, by the way, it's a very elaborate check. I've seen it with my own eyes here in Florida. You're 76 years old and you go to renew your driver's license. You have to go in there and you you have to pass a vision check. So, look, we require people to go to DMV, bring a registration in. You know, you sold your truck to me. We fill it out and I get it. Okay. And we have situations where I have to go to driver's ed. And my first time, I have to take a driver's test, don't I? To get my driver's license. Well, so to, why not Why not do so that? So why not do this for, for Pat? But, I'm with you. Why not do it for guns? So hang on. I think you my concern. Go, when you get your first weapon, yeah. you have to get a gun safety course. If you want to drive a school bus, you have to get a class C driver's license to be trained so that you're capable of driving a bus. So why not do the same thing that your first weapon, your gun license, involves training? I'm with you 100% on point. I think... We might be on the same page on this. I, my concern is who gets to a decide the criteria on that, and if it's the federal government, that's incredibly concerning. Um, there was a boyfriend loophole in a recent um, red flag legislation that was being drafted, and what's to say? Just hypothetical scenario, playing devil's advocate. What if you are really pissed off at your boyfriend and because he cheated on you, whatever it might be, and he owns a firearm, he owns an AR-15, and you go and tell the cops that he's a deranged person and he did all this stuff, and then they go and take the weapon away. There's a very fine line when it comes to what government's authority is on, on being able to decide who owns a firearm based on our Second Amendment Americans, all, can, and well, so where right. where is that? Where does yeah, that play? I, I don't, in? I don't, I don't to, but to make make a point here, I want to make yeah. sure that I, I'm not wrong. In the red flag laws, they don't seize and take the weapon away for you forever, right? It's like having your car impounded. Hey, we're concerned here, so we're going to impound your gun, 
And there's a process to go get it back. Was there really a fight here? Were you really upset? Were you really a risk to people? And there's a process there. That's the point for the red flag. Now, I agree with what you say because the people that are against uh, background checks for all weapons, you don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have a list of everybody that owns every gun, and then they are slowly going to start classifying every gun as an assault weapon. This is an assault weapon. Suddenly a 12-gauge shotgun that's only used to shoot birds is now going to be an assault weapon, and Uncle Harry is going to lose his bird gun. They're just going to keep turning that knob down because their goal is to is to get the weapons away from you. That is the argument that comes from the other side. Tyler, push back. Push back on what I'm saying. Okay, first of all, I don't know where in the country you can't, you can legally buy a weapon without, A, going through a concealed firearms course. Right? What are you, what are you talking have, about? In Texas, you you, 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 you you want to talk about how long it took me excuse to... Excuse me, there are, there are 24 states now that yeah. allow constitutional carry, but yeah. you still cannot buy a weapon without going through a background check. You cannot buy a weapon if you're addicted to any drugs. You cannot buy a weapon if you have a felony. They do an extensive background check on you. And again, this isn't the problem. The problem is not... The, the, the law-abiding citizen who's buying the weapon. Chicago, Cook County, has the strictest gun laws in the country, and their shootings are skyrocketing. They have 30, 40, 50 people a week dying from shootings that are being shot, young kids, uh, gang members, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, it doesn't matter how strict the gun laws are if you take the guns away. If somebody wants to do harm, they'll do harm, right? They'll, they'll create a bomb, go bomb a marathon. They'll drive a, a truck through a Christmas parade in Wakusha, Wisconsin, or in, in France. 84 people died on Bastille Day. This was like 10 years ago in France. They'll drive a truck through the crowd. Uh, to Catalina's point, people are going to want to do harm. The problem is not the gun. It's the the hedonism and the lack of, of as you put it earlier, the lack of God within the country. People, people don't. Bro, they're they're I, lost. I, I, they have no you're purpose. Talking they're to angry. A guy, they're upset. You're talking to a guy that loves America like you wouldn't believe. You're talking to a guy that was in the military who thinks, I. You, you know how many people I want to have guns in America? You know how many people I want to have guns in uh, uh, semi-automatics in America? How many do you think I want to have? All of them. I want a hundred percent, but hundred percent trained mm-hmm. is what I want. A hundred percent trained. Is what I want. Let me well, let me read you a couple comments that we just got here on what I said. Some agree, some disagree. Uh, 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 so John McGuire just gave fifty bucks. This is common factor amongst the shooters: lonely, delusional, com- uh, complete lack of purpose or belonging. Is uh, really hard that uh, to, is it really hard to help these kids? Let's stop trying to treat the symptom and go after the cause. Mentoring give these kids a purpose. Fine. This next mm-hmm. person said. Agree. Anna Bruner said, "I'm an NRA instructor." And I totally agree with Pat on training. Everyone who owns a firearm should be trained. I've been teaching for 30 years. I feel this is the best solution. All I'm saying is go back and think about, you know, Second Amendment. What is Second Amendment? It's not a privilege, right? Some guy commented saying it's not a privilege. Owning a car is a privilege. Owning a gun is constitutional right. You have the right to have this. Totally get it, right? But to me... Even if you go back and think about back in the days where you were worried about somebody attacking you or even somebody invading, like government, somebody comes into your house and give me this, give me that, which happens all the time in a lot of different countries to make sure that doesn't happen in America. Well, how do you fight against that? You'll fight against that against by knowing how to use these weapons. If you don't know how to use these weapons and you just buy a gun to buy a gun, that doesn't mean you know what you're doing. So to train them is the solution. If, if, if I, again, go back to policies. If I want my state to be protected, I want to make my guys more trained. But at the same time, I don't want somebody who is taking certain mental health medication to have access to weapons because they're going through something. That is a concern that we ought to think about that. 
Okay, there, it, there is a challenge with that. Some people fight back on that, and I totally understand that argument. But I'm trying to go to the point of what's wrong with having every single person that owns a gun be trained? What's wrong with that? Well, Nothing. You talk to the people in the gun community. What's the first thing they tell you to do? Train. Gun drill, safety. Drive fire. Holy. Yeah. That's all they tell you to do because it doesn't matter if you own a weapon just because you magically well, what bought a 9 million. What if conservatives took that position, though? What if conservatives took that position? What, what if conservatives? No, what if conservatives said, here's what we want to do. Let's create training. Let's make our guys better. By the way, that's another opportunity for conservatives to get a new audience. There are a lot of groups, uh, nonprofits that are going to inner cities like Chicago and Baltimore, and they're training the communities, the 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 youth of the communities on proper gun safety, which I think is a really interesting point. But I love this um, quote. It was in a it was from DriveFireTrainingCards.com. Guns are designed to project kinetic force at a distance. What you do with them is a reflection of your intent, not the intent of the gun. So we can train a million people. I fully get what you're saying with that. I I get what you're saying with that, and I agree. Um, I don't think this is a one-point solution. I think it's 10-point solution. It's not only one thing that's going to fix it all. Mm -hmm. The one out of 10 that I think is being trained. If you're trained a little bit more, I feel better about it. If you're not, the other part of it is, you know, so here, here's, here's something I'm reading this book called after Steve, right after Steve jobs, highly recommend everybody read this. Just, just book just came out. It's incredible. We're talking about it before the podcast got started. Question for you guys. Okay. So the San Bernardino shooting takes place. When the San Bernardino shooting takes place, what was the biggest problem that Apple got into? With San Bernardino shooting, what what happened? Would they unlock the right. phone Co- or not? Comey and Obama went to Apple and said what? Unlock the damn phone. Unlock the damn phone. And what did what did Cook do? What did Tim Cook say? I can't no, do that. Sir. I can't do that. And then they tried to really bully him, and he stood up and he said, "No, this is a bigger thing than short term. This is a long term issue that we got to address." Right? He says, "I can't do that because I'm taking a privacy away from." The individual that's using my software, my my phone, right? I'm not going to do that. They lost it. They were going to sue him. All this stuff. Finally, they said, "Don't worry about it. We figured out a different way to get it." They didn't go after Apple, right? But till since then, Apple's been obviously having a challenge. And then later on, Trump comes out. Trump calls out Tim Cook nonstop. Finally, Tim Cook goes and spends time with Trump. And next thing you know, uh, people ask uh, Trump, "Why is Tim Cook your favorite president for a uh, favorite CEO?" Trump's answer was, "What? Because he's the only one that calls me." Tim Cook is the only one that calls me. This is the first openly gay CEO that communicates with Trump about, you know, challenges they're facing as a company. But here's a question. If Facebook knows what this guy is texting and messaging, I'm throwing a completely different curveball here. I want to get your thoughts. If Facebook knows those DMs mm-hmm. and they know he's communicating, should Facebook report those DMs to FBI? Well, they have no problem putting flags on COVID-19 things or censoring people immediately and reporting accounts. Maybe they do have a role in that. What do you think, Tom? I think they absolutely have a role. I mean, if they can shut down a conservative voice, and let's talk about what it is, right? You say something too inflammatory about vaccines or about this or about AOC, boom, you know, your your account can't even be suspended. It takes a little bit longer, but your tweet can be popped like Immediately. immediately which means that they have but built- is that good though is is that the right position for them to no, do what they do that's censorship but they could use the same 
technology. They're, they don't have an army of people just watching tweets. They have technology that's reading tweets. And they can put that same technology and send a notice to that law enforcement agency and say, hey, there may be something very bad about to happen here. But, but what Tim Cook would say is, Tom, you're now giving the government enough power to use free market companies to abuse my privacy. I got very technical here with you on this. The only reason I'm talking about this with you guys is because as we're going in this angle of all these arguments of we should use this and we should use that, the the ripple effect of how it affects other things, like you said something earlier, you said, well, I'm concerned if we give the background check or or the training or whatever, they may abuse that. And what if later on somebody, a girlfriend says, I think my boyfriend's going to do something to me and the cops go and confiscate the weapons and all that stuff. That can lead to that, right? Same ripple effect when it comes down to Hey, we have access to the DM, reported to the FBI, so now you're sitting there saying, also, Facebook is owned by the government. Facebook right. is no longer. So what is the right position in these, you know? Any, anything good can be used for bad on, also, on, on the yeah. side of it. But, There's but a fine once, line. There's a that, fine line. It, it doesn't make me nervous. It does make me nervous. Do you remember the guy that we had, the Facebook? What was the guy that we had, Facebook? Uh, um, Steve. Uh, no, no, but what was his job? He was, he was a auditor. moderator. He was a moderator. Mm. And oh, the whistleblower. The whistleblower on yeah, Facebook yeah, yeah, yeah. that we interviewed him. The big I said, guy. So, so I said, uh, do you ever check, uh, uh, have you ever, since you have access to everyone's DMs and everyone's messages, have you ever gone and looked to see what people have said? He said, I can't lie to you. I have. I said, who was it? My cousins, because I wanted to see if they were talking shit about me, right? So this guy who's a moderator was more concerned about it. Yeah. But the point is, you're dealing with the slippery slope of what to do with this, right? So you may find a current solution because I would bet if I'm a, a, a Biden or if I'm any of these guys and I'm in, I'm in the campaign, so say the left all of a sudden comes out and says, this is why the next person they could vilify here is Facebook and Instagram and Zuckerberg. That's the next villain. Because the villain is you could have done something about it because you got to blame everybody except for the administration, right? Do not be surprised if today, tomorrow, the next day, following week, if all of a sudden somehow, someway, Zuck gets caught up in the scandal. Or yeah, and and one issue that happens, although it's horrible, but it's doesn't. It's not like this is an everyday thing, right? That impacts the privacy of millions of Americans. And these things are, again, it's a small percentage of when these things happen and we're creating legislation surrounding that that's impacting Americans as a whole. Um, Snapchat actually helped a, uh, a case. It was an underage, I think, sex trafficking case where somebody was texting an underage person and they were able to alert the FBI. There are, I think there are some instances where that's obviously appropriate but then again, it's that fine line of the privacy of of people, and then who's de- who's creating that criteria. But we're already doing that now. Let's not forget that they use geolocation, geotagging the bank accounts of all the people at January sixth that went after all those people. Right? They're now labeling anybody who posts the wrong thing on Facebook against the teachers' union parents as domestic terrorists. Like we're they're already using these for the wrong reasons. Right? Like it's perfect to work in this. Fairy tale world where everybody uses things for the right. If you're already, but it's, it's, it's all who political. Sets the criteria. <laughs> yeah. But if you're already doing that, if you're already doing that, it's kind of like when Paul Manafort, when I'm like, listen, lobbyists are the problem in America. And he says, look, what are you going to do? The other guys are doing it. Mm-hmm. So if they're already doing that for that reason, then you have to be equal opportunity and give information for uh, 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 other side as well. I would much rather them not do it at all. 
But if they're going to do it for one side, you got to be equal on the other side as well. So, so then should they be regulated from an objective perspective? I don't think so. I, I honestly don't think. But at the same time, uh, y- you're a fool. You have to be naive to think that the government is not reaching out. Because think about what the phone call is going to sound like. Do you think, what do you think are the chances of a person like this existing? You ready? Hey, Mark. How are you? Um, I, uh, I'm with the FBI, but I'd like to have a private conversation with you. Can you please open that envelope for me? Um, yeah, sure. You open it up. Do you see what we have here with you? We have this. We have this. We have, I know you're happily married, and I know you're a CEO of a very powerful company, and you're one of the most powerful people in America. But if you don't move in forward, tell us what's going on with these things, this is going to be public. Do I make myself clear? Yeah. Okay. So here's what I need from you by this time. Make sense? Moving forward, when I, myself or somebody from my group contacts you, I need this information from you. If you don't help us, I just assume this is going to be public. Do I make myself clear? Yes. Thank you so much for your cooperation. Do you think that kind of a conversation has already happened with Mark? Do you Zuckerberg, think, you're saying? Yeah. Do you, think, <laughs> do you think a meeting like that has happened? Like what J. Edgar Hoover and Kennedy's had back in the days. Mm. Like with the mob with J. Edgar Hoover saying, just so you know, this is the information we have on you. Do you think that kind of a conversation has happened? What percentage do you think it is? 5%, 10%, 20%? It's probably a 20% chance. I think it's happened. Remember, okay. we, um, we had the opportunity to speak to, and we can say this publicly, I think, Andrew Fastow. Yeah, Andy Fasta, and he yeah. talks CFO. about that they did exactly that. It wasn't a, a marital affair, but they came in and they did strong arm with his wife's taxes on a nothing item to get him to move. And that's the way the feds work. Yeah. So if, if that's happening, you just have to assume that this is already taking place. And then if you are already playing that game and your company's already uh, uh, got uh, uh, as much negative uh, uh, reputation as they do, dude. Phew. Keep telling the administration what you know about people that could potentially prevent the next Salvador Ramos. Is it Salvador Ramos's last name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Salvador yeah. Ramos from happening. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so what? Well, what do you then? Then what do you think about this picture? Remind me. What do you think about the Patriot Act? James Snowden or Ed, Ed Snowden came out and said the government. I'm not with it. Every key. Well, that's that's essentially the same case you're making. I know. I know. I'm saying, but I'm I'm saying don't do it from the beginning. At all. I, no, because because what you're doing is. You know what you're doing? Listen, people think we're going to live in la-la land. Mm. You're not going to live in la-la land. Do, do you know what Hillary Clinton just got caught with? Hillary, if, if, if this event didn't take place this week, you know what everybody would be talking about? The big lie. Yeah, the big lie of Hillary Clinton. So what is the big lie of Hillary Clinton? Hillary Clinton sitting there quietly, you know, voicing her opinion about this event, yet at the same time... Um, Hillary Clinton caught on perhaps the most shocking lie of her career. Uh, Washington Times, the head of Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign for the presidency, Robbie uh, Mook, testified on Friday. Hillary Clinton approved of an effort in the months before 2016 election to provide the press with research perpetrating to show a computer link between a company of her GOP rival Donald Trump and a Russian bank. Mook on Friday was testifying on behalf of Michael Sussman, a high-powered Democratic lawyer and accuser of uh, 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 accused uh, Clinton lawyer, according to Mook, he discussed it, giving dubious information to the press with Hillary as well. But I believe I discussed it with her after we kind of discussed it and made uh, the decision. Not notionally, uh, the discussion was, hey, we have this and we want to share with a reporter. She agreed to it. The prosecution claims Sussman billed the Clinton campaign for this piece of dubious information. And the prosecution claims that it has been evidence for making this claim. So 
These guys are doing that nonstop to the American people. Worse than Watergate. Yeah, these guys are doing that left and right, and people are sitting around saying, uh, who's getting the who's getting uh, destroyed with this or manipulated with this? The professionals are doing this nonstop. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, behind closed doors, you don't think one of her associates has had conversations with social media companies to say, hey, you better or else? Well, it's like how they always threaten the, the heads of the CEO companies to testify in front of Congress. Yeah, they're always pressuring them. You have to do more. You have to stop the disinformation. Yeah, and I love the fact that some of them are starting to have a backbone. I love the fact that Bezos is having a backbone. Musk is having a backbone. Some of them are now pushing back and saying, "Look, enough with blaming all of us. We're sick and tired of it, bro. Do you realize we created four hundred fifty thousand jobs that you haven't created? We created so they don't rely on the government. You keep bashing me here. Why don't you go create four hundred fifty thousand jobs?" Without taxpayer, we're creating this economy. You're not doing it, yeah. So it's a very dirty game. I was uh, uh, I was uh, watching a documentary on the way here. Uh, of uh, do you know this guy? Uh, they call him the Pharma Bro. Yeah, Martin Shkreli. You remember the Pharma Bro? <laughs> Have you seen his documentary or no? It's worth mm-hmm. checking out. By the way, Pharma I've Pro. Heard of it? I've not seen it. Yeah, I, I, I will tell I've you. Seen it's the tweets and clips. Very entertaining. So what do they do? So this guy's going out there and a drug that's cost thirteen dollars. He's selling you for seven fifty. And they interview him and they say, How do you feel about the fact that you have a drug that's thirteen dollars and he's selling for seven fifty? You know seven hundred and fifty not seven dollars fifty cents. No, no, seven hundred and fifty dollars. Like you know what he said his answer you know what his answer was? I think it's still underpriced. I think we should still yeah. charge a little bit more than seven fifty. This guy's a certified dirtbag. He 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 is a very, very strange guy, right? But you know what they did? You know how he went to jail for seven years? Not for what he did with the drug. He went to jail for seven years because a hedge fund he used to run years ago. That had nothing to do with this, and he had multiple different companies where he was just kind of moving the money over from different places and taking a what loss. What is it, money laundering, tax money, evasion? Yeah, what so was he doing? Not tax evasion. It's it's multiple corporations where he was moving the money, raising one place and moving to another company, and then he eventually got caught with that, and his lawyer couldn't win, and uh, he got seven years. But but the point he is, he just got out though. Yeah, but uh, by the way, he'd be a great guest to have. I mean, Rob, if you're listening to this, let's have him on as a guest. That'd be a great conversation to have with him. Uh, yeah, he got two uh, two counts of securities fraud securities. and one count of conspiring to commit securities fraud. So sometimes when you get a little too loud, you get that knock. Mm-hmm. Musk just got that knock. I think Bezos is afraid of getting that knock. He feels a little brave today. But it's bad when people are afraid mm-hmm. of voicing their opinion to get that knock. It's a, it's a form of censorship, and I know they call it silencing. But it's a form of censorship. And you know what's the biggest freedom with that? The FBI raid on James O'Keefe. Yeah, so you go into this part. Yeah. But so, you know, going back to what you're asking, yeah, I'm not with it. I don't I don't support that. Our sweetheart Hillary Clinton is the master at it, but I don't support it. What was his what was his name? Her campaign manager, little guy with the glasses. Podesta? Uh, yeah, yeah, John, John Podesta. Podesta. Yeah. Remember he blamed Facebook for the loss. Of course. Remember? But more is coming. Remember? Yeah. He did. Well, and, and by the way, he lost the election. He's the campaign manager, so he's going to blame the moon, the tides, and the wind. And Comey. Trump. And Comey. But um, they directly blamed Facebook and Zuckerberg because Zuckerberg didn't cooperate, and he was actually trying to, to let both sides out there. But there were a lot of bots that were going on on Facebook. Hmm. But the point was Facebook was actually trying to – and by the way – they're not exactly in a white hat here. It's sort of a dark gray hat. 
but they did not kowtow to it. And then you're being blamed publicly. And who was the guy that ended up in the seat in the hearing? Mark. Yeah, remember? Yep. Of course, all of them did. All the CEOs. Yeah. But all who, the CEOs. But who was the one that really got barbecued? Who really got barbecued? Mark. Right. Zuckerberg. And who got the easy questions? Google. Correct. Sundar Pinchai. But Dorsey had to take a lot of heat. If you go take a By look. the way, Dorsey just uh, resigned from being on the board. Right. They so, just, you know, a form of almost got fired off the board uh, because of defending uh, Elon, Elon and on the, on the, what do you call it, the fake. Uh, uh, bots. Uh, fake bots. So uh, he's. So that means now Dorsey and Elon are united against the board, which is awesome. Because so, they realize awesome. whatever they do will never be enough yeah. for left. It's great. It'll never be enough. I got one other story I want to read if we have the time for it. What do we got? 1048. Uh, Ray Dalio said something here. Tom, I kind of want to get your feedback on this. Uh, first of all, crypto billionaire. Uh, I'll skip that one. I'll go to the Dalio first. So Ray Dalio, we're headed into a period like the 1970s. So buy inflation hedge assets. Uh, farmed hedge fund, uh, a famed hedge fund manager, Ray Dalio, said on Tuesday he thinks that the global economy is headed into a period like 1970s, dominated by inflation, concerns and potential stagnation. As a result, he said investors should focus on inflation hedge assets as a way to protect their portfolio during the coming turbulent times for financial markets. Dalio expressed skepticism about the Federal Reserve's ability to tamp down inflation without triggering a recession. He argued that too much debt has been created in a short period of time for the central bank to offset without massively increasing interest rates. Uh, even himself is saying these times are coming and he's not even holding back. How bad are things going to be, Tom, the next 12 to 18 months? I think they're going to get really, really rough because I think that we could be potentially getting into a time like the, the full decade where the Japanese economy had to recover because our monetary policy, you know, yes, it was about COVID. Yes, it was about getting relief checks to people. But you have to remember the second trillion that went out there was over a 10-year period, correct? It was mm -hmm. blowed out. And so it basically becomes a slush fund for Congress for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so basically that is irresponsible monetary policy. When you take a look at what was printed, you take a look at the debt, he's right. What all he's saying is the economy just ate these things. It has to digest it. And there's... and. It's going to be indigestion, and it's going to be inflation, and they're not going to be able to tamp it down. He's correct on an absolutely fundamental level. And what, what is the alternative right now? What, what is slowing down the housing market? Interest rates, right? So what do you do? Do you move the interest rates back to zero? I think he's right. You cannot do that. You can't do that. No, you you got to feel the pain. So that's what I'm saying. You ate some bad beef, and you got to go through the food poisoning. And it's going to take time to get it through the system. Sorry to use that visual. I apologize. But I think we're looking at the 10 years, up to 10 years, just like the Japanese economy had. Catalina, what do you if think? If you look back, 80s, 90s. You know, he said something that really stuck out to me. He said, we're in a time where ideologies and politics drive economics, not the other way around. And I think obviously there's it's a complex issue with the Fed and monetary policy and decades of, of things gone awry. But I also the the political part is very important and why we need members of Congress who are pro growth and who understand economics, because ultimately it's the American people are the ones who are going to suffer when you have politicians that want to increase minimum wages 
when you have, again, COVID lockdowns in some blue states, unconstitutional lockdowns where you're destroying small businesses, all of that stuff really does matter. And it is supply chain issues. All of this was incredibly political. And so when you have this kind of perfect storm of things, you need people who are able to bring to, to bring it back. And and ultimately, again, these kitchen table issues, what what Americans, when I'm on the campaign trail, they're worried about going to a restaurant and things are 50% marked up. And then the restaurant owner, all of the food, all they have to raise their prices. Uh, groceries, groceries are getting more expensive. Gas is getting more expensive. It has become so political. And Ray Dalio was so on point when he said that, that the economy is now being driven by ideology and politics in but a way it never has. I, I don't disagree. I, folks, if you want to find out like how how and what gas prices are affecting, go go price out the flight that you usually take and write down the number that you pay for the flight that you usually take. Whatever flight it may be, maybe LA to Dallas, okay, maybe New York to Miami, whatever it is that you usually go on and use American Airlines or, you know, JetBlue or some of you guys who are extremely courageous spirit or whatever, whatever you take, right? <laughs> and then go price it out today and see what the number is today. Go go look at what happened today. It, it affects so many different industries. By the way, this article continues with another article that has to do with this one, Fox Business. U.S. economy on the cusp of stagflation, world's largest hedge fund warrants. This is a completely different person. Uh, Bridgewater Associate uh, Co-Chief Investment Officer Bob Prince said this week that markets have not fully absorbed the shock of what's happening in the economy. And investors are too optimistic about the path for inflation and interest rates. And stagflation is the combination of economy uh, stagnation and high inflation characterized by soaring consumer prices as well as high unemployment. The phenomenon ra- uh, ravaged the U.S. economy in the 70s and 80s as uh, spiking oil prices, rising unemployment, and high monetary policy pushed the consumer price index as high as 14.8% in 1980, forcing Fed policymakers to raise interest rates to nearly, you ready, 20%. Mm-hmm. And by the way, to the experts who don't think that's possible – they are unbelievably naive because never in the history of the company have we printed money like we have right mm-hmm. now. Expect, expect interest rates to go to that level. Let me give two tips I got. I want to read one other article here that talks about if you were the person that were too loyal to your company and you didn't go get another mm-hmm. raise at another job, you made a mistake. That's a business insider story. We'll read that. But I want to give you a tip. If you're thinking about buying a house, um, this is purely my opinion. You don't have to take it. But I'm just giving it to you. If you're thinking about buying a house and you're so excited about buying a house, if if you can wait 12 to 18 months, do so. If you are so excited about buying a house that you're just like, oh, my God, but I love this place. If you can somehow set aside your emotional love for that new house for 12 or 18 months, you're going to win. Here's why. The mortgage payment's not going to be different. You're still going to pay the same payment you're paying today for that house because you buy the same house 18 months from now. That's probably a million-dollar house today. You'll pay seven twenty dollars for it, but interest rates are going to be 8.5%. So your payment's going to be the same, but that $1 million, that $1 million house that becomes seven twenty dollars is going to go back to a million-dollar house seven years from now, five years from now, except you kept that two eighty, dollars and then you'll refinance when interest rates come down five to ten years from now. And you'll pay a lower payment. So if you can emotionally prevent yourself from jumping on the house that you want to buy right now, wait 12 to 18 more months, it's probably going to be a wise move on your end. Now, people who are not going to like me saying this are loan officers and realtors. Mm -hmm. Realtors and loan officers, I love you. 
Uh, I support you on what you do. Your job is to convince them that I'm wrong. I'm totally okay with that. That's how <laughs> debates and arguments happen. But I'm telling you, I think I'm right. Okay, when it comes down to this idea with House. But do you think, Tom, do you think it has a likelihood of getting as crazy as it was in the 70s and 80s of 14% type of things? Like, do you think it can get to a number like that? I, I think it has all the raw materials in here. The kindling is here that the fire could burn that hot, but I don't think it will. You know, I think there's a lot more controls and things that banks are going to be put in place. And by the way, don't forget to leave out Wells Fargo, the largest issuer of mortgages in the United States that's upset with you right now. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> Well, let me ask you a question because yeah. if, if Ray Dalio is right. By the way, your property tax also goes down. Your property taxes when you buy that house, that's a very meaningful part of home ownership. Mm-hmm. could be a thousand bucks a month. Your property taxes are probably now down to six hundred. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. But your insurance rates are gonna go up. That's a big problem that's going on here in Miami, is that all the uh, property uh, insurance rates are skyrocketing. But here, here's my question for you because that won't saying, change though. That's not gonna change no matter what. Well, not according to the Miami Herald. I mean, whatever. We don't need to get into the article right here, but apparently the insurance rates have skyrocketed thirty percent. Because of what though? You want me to read the article? No, what I'm trying to say is it's going to go up no matter what, though. It's not going down because of whatever the current times are. You're going to pay that a year from now, whether you like mm-hmm. it or not. That 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 fee is not going away. But go ahead. Make your yeah, point. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I don't want to uh, pull out the article right now. So if 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 real estate's going down, stock market's going down, crypto's going down, Ray Dalio's basically saying, so buy infla- inflation hedge assets. And I don't know if you were using a Freudian slip right there. So here's some tips for you. Are you saying, what should you invest in? Tips, treasury inflation, uh, protected securities, something like that? What Where should people be putting their money? You gave a great speech at the... The Think Conference, what was it called? Grow Live with Video? Grow Grow Live with Video. Great, Com- great yeah. speech. It was awesome. Great. And was you said, hey, this is a great time where you can add an extra zero to your net worth over the next few years. Other than making more money, right? You know, and choosing your uh, income producing uh, mentality better. Where should people be putting their money now? If if real estate is going down, stock market is going down, crypto is going down. Depends. Where on, should you be so, putting so your the, money? So the the average person or the person that wants to really play ball and add average addition, person. The average person needs to. Uh, the, if you're if you're in equities, equities is going to take a hit. It's just it is going to take a hit. So, but I don't want to give that advice because too many times when they say that, then they forget to go back in equities when the momentum is back mm-hmm. up and they take a big hit for it. So. If you're not somebody that's watching your stuff, let your advisor give the advice. I don't know what situation you're in. Uh, but I will tell you right now, if there's ever been a perfect time to add that additional zero to your net worth, today's the time. Mm-hmm. The next two to five years, a lot of things are going to be on sale. A lot of things are going to be on sale. People, so you're saying stack cash? Uh, even though even though inflation is at 8%, I, what have I, you? I think opportunities are going to go to the roof the next 12 to 18 months. Ask why a Buffett that knows more about money the 99.99999% of the world, why is he sitting on so much cash right now? Maybe because he knows how mm-hmm. much things are going to be on sale and he's going to pick up things on sale. It's just the reality of it. Now, I do want to transition into into the insider story because this is what confused a ton of people in America. I made a video about this three weeks ago. Uh, here it is. Okay, look, look at this nonsense article that actually confuses people and millions of people took advantage of this. If you've stayed put at your company during the Great Resignation, you're paying a price for your loyalty. Insider, May 24th. 
Over the past year, the red-hot job market has forced employers to dole out huge paychecks to lure new candidates, and that's created a deep divide between the rookies and the veterans at the companies across the U.S. Labor IQ compensation data provider estimates that salaries uh, for new hires are 7% higher on average, and a median pay for people already employed in similar positions for many in-demand occupants, occupations across tech and finance, the disparity is in double digits. In the great resignation, long-time employees, the ones who have st- uh, stuck around through good times and bad times, are paying a secret tax for their loyalty. I disagree. Here's why. Let me tell you what's about to happen for those who abused that uh, uh, going to their bosses and saying, you know, such and such recruiter called me. I have another opportunity to work at this company, and they're going to pay me more money than you are and I'm going to take the job, and you bullied your employer. When it comes time that the market correction takes place and Silicon Valley announces the freeze that they have now on hiring, when it comes time that you see these companies letting go of 4,000 employees, 10,000 employees, wait till you see the firing and the layoffs. Banks are about to announce the next 3, 6, 12 months. Just, Just brace for impact where these big companies that gave you that bonus that you went to them, wait till they fire. You know who that employee is going to call? They're going to call back that employer that they left and say, I made a big mistake leaving. I'd love to come back. You know, I went and I realized I don't want to be part. And they're going to create their own story. Mm-hmm. I realized I'm not a large corporation person, but this experience made me appreciate you even more. It's like when a guy leaves a girl and goes with another girl, doesn't work out and say, she made me love you even more. If it wasn't for her, my love for you wouldn't have grown to the levels it has today. Are you reading my text I messages? I love you Pat? so much. Right we got to get together right now. Oh, my God. I'm so glad she trained you to love me even more, right? Whatever that may be. Uh, she it, takes him back. Yeah. If, exactly. If, if you were loyal during that time, if you were loyal during that time and you did what you did, that CEO, that boss of yours values you. Mm-hmm. Believe me, privately, they're sitting there making a list of people that they can count on, and you're on it. And this may not be a bad time to have the following conversation. Here's the conversation on how to have. Hey, boss, listen. uh, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in the company. I believe in your leadership. I just want to let you know I'm here long term. Uh, I would like to be considered for the following. I think you value loyalty. I've shown you I'm loyal to you during good and bad times, if there is a way for me to be considered for another position higher up, let me know what I'd like to do, but I'd like to be able to fight for a raise and a promotion. I don't want to go anywhere. I love the company. I want to be able to take this company to the next level. I appreciate your style of leadership. Tell me what I need to do. I'd like to have that kind of a conversation with you if you're open to it. Okay, my resume out there, but they somehow found me and and they're offering me $28,000 more. If you can give me that raise, I will, because I want to stay with you. I want to stay with you, but if you do that, I'll stay with you. Those people who were that opportunistic, and Adam, I understand, those people who were opportunistic, they're not going to like life the next 12 to 24 months. It's going to be hit so hard. Because when you go all of a sudden be paid 120 and you're not worth 120 you're an $82,000 a year person, yep. but your lifestyle went to 120 and yep. now the market fires you, and now you got to go from 120 and there's not an $82,000 a year job that you're willing to accept a $68,000 a year job, a bankruptcy is around the corner, a repo is around the corner, yep. and life's going to get messy. And now you have to get started with a resume that's going to show over a five-year period. you got five jobs, and that's not a good resume because employers look at resumes to see if you stay with companies or you go resume shopping. Nobody likes somebody that's been around the block in the job market. People don't like that. Tom? Now you get to work from home. You're unemployed from the couch. 
I feel for the business owners, small business owners, medium-sized business owners right now. There's such a labor shortage in a lot of different industries. And, you know, the talent is tough to find. My sister and I have a, our own company. And it's incredibly difficult. And they ultimately are the ones who have to pay the price, you know? Mm. I, I don't say there's I don't think they know it, sh- though. No, but yeah. people look at things in such a short-term way. I don't mean to throw millennials under the bus as well, but you should be paid what you're worth. But also, there's a there is something to say about experience and staying with a company that you believe in and the long-term growth potential there than just shopping around and getting paid that mm-hmm. in a short-term way. You, you hit the nail on the head with the difference between a short-term and a long-term perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, I just had my 15-year anniversary at my firm, my financial firm that I work for. It's crazy, 15 wow. years. And I've been offered jobs left and right over the last decade or so. Left and right. And do I entertain the conversation? Sure. But at the end of the day, I'm very loyal, and I've built in very uh, good um, situation at my job. But I think you're absolutely right. Short term, yeah, maybe an extra twenty grand so it does sound good, but when uh, what's the, when the tide rolls back out, you know, you're left naked, whatever that is. When you're if you're skinny dipping, that's what's going to happen. Is essentially what you're saying out there. It's yeah, the, uh, I mean, but by the way, uh, what, how was your last month? Uh, best month I've had in in fifteen. Any, yeah, I had a great month. Yeah, yeah, but but lunch is on me, guys. <laughs> That's not going to happen because the $10, you still haven't paid the guy. So that's not going to happen. We're also right. Servant leaders, good business people, good uh, CEOs, good leaders do value good employees and that loyalty. Mm-hmm. So you're, that's what people need to think about. And you think about deeper yeah. things. Right? And for <laughs> people out term. there looking for a new job, go ahead and rewind the last few minutes and hear what Pat had to say. You're funny. We are hiring, though. If you are looking for a job, we're aggressively hiring right now. Anyways, what a great conversation. We had a great conversation. (laughs) Lots of different topics. Uh, uh, if if it does, we're hiring. Okay, oh, just right. so you know, <laughs> Catalina, when uh, is your, yeah. your 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 your? Give us your last. Uh, when's your race? What's going on? Where to find you? All that Prime, stuff. Primary is in thirty days. Uh, we are in a great spot to win it, and then November eighth is the election. Uh, and Catalina for Congress web is the website, and then Catalina Lauf on all social media platforms. Let's put that on uh, chat, and let's put that on the uh, 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 description below as well. Folks, if you enjoyed today's podcast, give it a thumbs up and subscribe. If you'd like to see Catalina come back, give us a thumbs up. Let us know about <laughs> oh, uh, no. what you loved about Catalina the most today. Catalina, thank you so much for coming out. This was thank awesome. You. Can people get that shirt, or is it just yes, one of we are We are selling them, Freedom Over Fear. We have them in black and white. Uh, red, black, red, and white. Yeah, and on, on the, the website. same website. Yeah, well, we're we're putting it on there. Okay, so, sounds but, good. But they are available. Sounds good. So follow up with her, and you'll be able to get that shirt as well. Take care, everybody. Uh, do we have a podcast tomorrow? We're, two of them. We're yes. back tomorrow. Maybe, maybe two of them. Right. Definitely, uh, Mr. One, Brian Callen. Brian Callen's going to be tomorrow afternoon. Which Brian Callen's going to can't, can't wait that one. Bye 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 bye. Okay.